they start. And they're really excited when they're designing the brand logo, designing, you know, the website, designing their business. This is the exciting part. Now, where, where, where do people really get stuck? They do not like to pick up the phone. Mm. You know, when you're like, okay, dude, well, I mean, if you're not in the retail business, if you're in the Two, one. Welcome everybody to Picking Brains with JJ Swar. Today I have an incredible guest, Hussain. Hussaini, go ahead and uh, introduce us. I, I, did I pronounce your name fine, right? Yeah, you pronounced okay, my great. name fine. I know we have issues with your name. Yeah, everybody Whether does. it's Jabber or Jabber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on the show. No problem. It's actually a pleasure. Um, I'm normally on the other side of this, yes. so I feel like I'm going to enjoy myself more today. So yeah, because you don't have to deal with the editing or whatever. <laughs> you don't you just get have to talk. the process, and I don't even have to come up with the questions. Yeah, you know. Um, so so but, you run but, Hustle Kitchen. Introduce that, maybe. I, I run Hustle Kitchen, so it's a marketing consultancy mm-hmm. um, where we focus on basically ROI marketing, is what I call it. Okay. We're mainly B two B focused. Okay. Right. So. Mm-hmm. If you own, if you have a burger shop, like don't come to me, All right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, what I say, what I mean that by that is like you know, if you have a burger shop, mm-hmm. there's thousands of social media companies or marketing companies that can help you out. Yeah, it's really like a branding game. You know, take a picture of that burger, make it look really good, mm. and color palette and all color that stuff. palette and all that stuff, and yeah. keep posting that every day. And maybe if you have an offer every now and again, then do that. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so in the B2B world, which I find a lot more interesting, um, so it's where we niche out, um, a product or a service that you sell is a high, normally a high-ticket item. Mm-hmm. So high-ticket marketing is different. Right? What does that mean, high-ticket marketing? It, it means like the, like the customers that they have, okay, they're like spending big, 500 okay. plus on one sale. Okay. Right? So mm-hmm. we're not trying to get everyone to buy all the time, but we need more sophisticated techniques in order to be able to sell a higher ticket item, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a matter of just showing the picture and that's it, right? Yeah. So we're gonna have you need to fun. Convince them, yeah. You need to convince them. You need to do storytelling. You need to have funnels. You need to have follow up. I know there's a lot of psychology that plays into marketing. It's all psychology. Yeah. Like marketing is psychology, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like you know when we say it's like how do you take someone from a Tinder to a Netflix and chill? Mm-hmm. You know, you need to build a relationship, mm-hmm. especially in the B two B world. Um, it's not a one, it's not a one hit wonder. Yeah. Right. And a sale in the B2B world doesn't happen immediately. Mm. Whereas, you know, like I said, you know, if it's a retail brand, um, you know, you see a product, you like the product, you like the price. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah? You're like, I want it now. You want it now. Yeah. If you were hiring, I mean, you work with EY. Yeah. So if you're going to sign up with EY, it's Mm. not a decision you would make immediately. If you saw an EY ad, be like, oh, I need them as a consultant. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a, there's a lot more education involved in that process. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, the great thing about it is that someone might not be interested in hiring you today. Yes. But you need a strategy to keep that person within your funnel, educate them along the way. So when they are ready to buy, they think of you. Mm -hmm. And like, for me, I don't believe in like selling anything I don't use myself. Right. I'm not going to experiment on my clients dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is exactly what we do for ourselves. Since we are a service-based business yeah. ourselves, we are a B2B company ourselves. Mm-hmm. So whatever we're doing, um, um, you know, for our clients, I actually test it all out on Hustle Kitchen itself, 
building my lead generations, you know, and having that workflow because the problem with uh, like a lot of businesses, um, and I've been there before, it's like when you're banking on working like month to month and you're like, okay, you got a client this month, so you're good this month. Mm. But is it on a retainer or is it a one-off wonder? And then what's going to happen next month? Can I hire more people? Or am I not going to have the business next month and I'm going to have to let go of people? Yeah, I noticed that with a lot of marketing companies, they have a lot of receivables, but they, never, they always never get cash. And then that always... There's a lot of chasing. There's a lot, a lot of, chasing. of chasing, right? Because because somehow, I don't know if this is just in Bahrain, mm-hmm. okay, or it's around the world, but I'd never really experienced it when I was living in Australia uh, or London, right? But it's like here, businesses somehow feel like they're winning, they're beating you at something if they can take your payments as fast as possible and delay paying you as much as possible. Wow, interesting. You know, then they they somehow feel like, I'm like, this is not a negotiation. We have terms, right? But it's, um, I'm assuming this doesn't happen with the big corporates uh, such as EY. Mm -hmm. But in the SME world, it's a law of the jungle, you know, so. It is. I feel like the, you know, that made me think of something immediately when it comes to timing. I know it's like very, like off the cuff example, but when you think of when I study in the US, everybody's very strict on timing. Yeah. Everybody shows up on time, right? And <laughs> they that's like the way it should be, default, right? Uh, well, if I say this time, people show up this time. With here, inshallah timing. Inshallah <laughs> timing. And so now I'm, I'm noticing that same kind of mentality with payments, you know? Like, you know, that's really interesting that you bring that up because the last time i mean i grew up in australian london okay right so originally obviously bahraini but mm-hmm. i never lived here i was born here i left at the age of one okay interesting. so so my education and my work life before coming here was in australian london if you start work at nine o'clock and like once i think i got to my job at 902 mm. they made such a big fuss about it like, oh my God, like, you know, how could you do this? Like, if you ever do this again, that's it. You know what I mean? Whoa. So the work ethic mm-hmm. is very different. And I'm not even talking about like, doesn't matter what level job you're in. Mm. Job is a job. You got to be yeah. there on time. And we're talking about, you have to take a train for like half an hour oh, to get to the city, going to the station. Walk. So you really have to be on top of it to be there on time. You miss a train, you're going to be late. That's why when they say it's nine to five, it's actually... It's actually nine to five, right? So when I got here, I had a bit of a culture shock in the beginning. Can you give give me a timeline just so I can assess? So how long have you been in Australia and UK before you came back to Mahabharata? Sure. So I mean, I'm 30, almost 39 now. Okay. Right. So I think I came to Bahrain in 2009. Okay. It's been such a while. I, you know, I keep thinking it's like yesterday, but I've, I'm sure I've been here for 12 years now. So you're like 28, 27. 28, 27, right? Okay. And so when I got my, well, my first culture shock was going to a bank because okay. I used to work in a bank, mm-hmm. retail in Australia. That was okay. like one of my first jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And I was the lead mer- like merchant teller over there. Mm-hmm. So I know exactly how we dealt with it and our customer experience and like how, you know, obviously, and we got queues of people. Mm-hmm. So I think I was in one of the busiest branches. Um, and so we had around, I know I personally would have to deal with at least three, 400 customers per day. Oh, wow. Right. So you have to be as efficient as possible yeah. whilst cross-selling, upselling, being nice and all of that stuff. Yeah. Right. So when I first came here, obviously I need to open up a bank account. Mm-hmm. So I walked into, am I allowed to mention names? I, th- I think I'm mean, fair yeah, enough. It's, it's, it is what it is. I think they're trying to improve their game. <laughs> so the first bank I walk into 
is MBB. Okay. Um, I go to the branch. I want to open up an account. So obviously I need to see the customer service guy. Mm -hmm. In the branch, maybe there's customer wise, I mean, probably like 10, 15 people in there. So it's not busy, right? I think I spent two hours waiting and I, and they didn't have a ticket system. I don't remember if they had a ticket system at that time or there weren't that machines that pop mm -hmm. up or stuff. And I remember seeing like, whenever someone's friend would come along, they would always skip that queue. So you end up waiting, right? And I'm not, I, I don't come from the Wasta system yeah. of knowing friends and cutting queues. And I was like, what a horrible bank. And this is such a horrible experience. I was like, I'm never going to open a bank account with this bank, bank, right? And so that was a culture shock for me. Mm. But the, I feel like you just get used to it. Yeah. Living here. Yeah. I mean, see, obviously living <laughs> anywhere is, is a double-edged sword. Yeah. You just have to weigh your pros and cons. When you said you lived in Australia, I feel like to me... I don't know much about the country, but from what I've heard, it's like ideal. In which sense? I, ideal in the sense that they're welcoming of people from the outside. They have a lot of Muslims there, et cetera, a lot yeah. of people from everywhere. The, the people are nice. Food yeah. is good. Yes. So, so for me personally, mm -hmm. it's probably my favorite place to live in the world. Okay. Okay. And I'm not biased in any way, not just not because I have an Australian nationality. <laughs> all right. But, but honestly, not all biased, not huh? all biased. Uh, you know, I mean, look, I went, I mean, whilst I lived half my life in both these countries, it was never at one time. So it was like Australia, London, Australia, London, Australia, mm. London. So in my adolescent ages, like my university ended up in London. Mm -hmm. And then I went back to Australia, having not been there since I was like 10 or something like that. And I was like, this is amazing. London kind of sucks, right? Everything's small, everything's gray. It's like, you know, people aren't so friendly. Mm -hmm. Anywhere outside of central London is just all the same, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, whereas I found Australia that everyone's friendly, the, play, the weather's beautiful, you know, the food's amazing, as you said. Spiders, though. I mean, everyone says that, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's, it's like, like some stereotype. stereotype yeah. yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, they're like kangaroos, kangaroos like you know, on the roads and it's stuff. Like, it's <laughs> like the version, it's like the camel version from the Middle East, yeah. like kangaroos yeah, over kangaroos, there and spiders. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, so I, I mean, but the one, one of the things that was the biggest culture shock for me, like having been there in my later years, was that see in London, everything's like money oriented. It's a very capitalistic city, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's all money, money, money and chase, chase, chase. And, and everyone's living in this rat race. You know, and that's why everyone's depressed. That's why if you're going to train, no one's going to smile at you. No one's going to say hello to you. Everyone's like, why, what are you looking at it for? You know, what are you looking at? Mm. They, they, they have that vibe. It's like no one's happy. Mm. That's very interesting. When I was in the U.S., because I'm trying to like draw um, similarities. It's my freshman year, 2015. I made a lot of friends. Everything is money oriented, even in friendships. And I don't mean like a negative way. It's just different. And yeah. what I mean is... I made a joke and, you know, people were like, if he can do this, I'll give you five bucks or 10 bucks. You know, just like a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Just, you don't actually mean it. I said that to one of the guys. Like, if you do that, I'll give you 10 bucks. Like, really? You do that for me? <laughs> like, bro, if you need 10 bucks, I'll give it to you. <laughs> but, uh, or, or, or with, with gas. But, but, but that's in a humble way, right? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. he wants the 10 bucks. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking from the, an arrogance point uh, of view. 
feel like everybody's like apathetic there. Yeah, it's old show and it's like, mm-hmm. maybe that's just the central London life, okay? Maybe that's how the people are there. Mm-hmm. But like when I went to Australia, it's like no one talks about money, no one talks about politics and no one talks about religion. Three of my favorite topics, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I had to adapt and adjust myself. And I mean, don't mean it's a rude way, guys, in Australia, but you kind of have to dumb down your social talk a little bit because at the same time, um, one of the things that surprised me is like, you know, most people aren't well-traveled because mm. it's so far away. Yeah. So traveling for them, like when I was like, I'm going on a holiday, guys. And they're like, are you going overseas? I'm like, who asked that question? You're like, you know. They I, think within. Do you think because within they all think within, right? Australia. So, yeah. So I was like, yeah, I was like, since when is overseas? So they said, I'm going overseas. Mm. Whereas we know if we said, I'm going on holiday, we know it's automatically overseas. Yeah. Yeah. I can stay here. What am I going to eat? More food? <laughs> exactly. Different restaurants? Exactly. Man. Interesting. Yeah. And but, uh, but there's one thing. Yeah, okay. uh, I don't find there to be any poverty in Australia. Meaning if you're on a minimum paid job, you're still going to have a comfortable life. That should be the case. Well, if yeah. you're on a minimum paid job in London, uh, you're struggling. I feel like that's that's what contributes to their apathy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was going to say, even like when I was in the US, because minimum wage and everything is such a hot topic uh, there in yeah. the West. But I was going to talk about real quick. Another example I thought of with my friends is, and this is something I, I find so weird and interesting and a little bit annoying, if I'm being honest. Let's say your friend is going somewhere, okay? And I don't have a car there. I'm a student, an international student. I try to get a car, but it was such a tedious process. So this guy's going there, and I want to go there anyway, right? So this guy's going anyway, but he wants to split for gas. Yeah. And people almost never do that here. I don't, I don't, <laughs> if I'm going to go to somewhere, I was going to go there anyway, regardless yeah. if you were coming yeah. or not. I'm yeah. not going to ask you, hey, man, can you, can you spot me or can you give me like half <laughs> for, for gas, gas money? Yeah, you came, I drove you all the way there, bro. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's such a big deal. Like every time there is a hangout, people are going someplace anyway, regardless of, of people are coming or not. Yeah. It's different when I want to ask you, hey, can you take me there or whatever? Yeah. That's fine. I understand that, uh, right? Yeah. Even about, hey, I wouldn't charge you yeah. to my friend if you any drive, drive. But, you know, over there, it's a different culture and it's a bigger yeah. country. Gas is more expensive. Gas is more expensive, <laughs> exactly. But uh, that's such an... Uh, I found it's like when, when it first happened, I'm like, oh, okay. I just gave him my money. <laughs> and then now I got used to it. It became like a political thing where, where people, whoever's like riding in different cars, we have to, we have to like count how many people are coming and yeah. who's going to pay how much. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, that made me miss my body a little bit. Do you know what? Do you know what? It's a double-edged sword. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you could, on one side, you've got you know, can you chip in for gas? Mm-hmm. And on the other side, for example, in England, someone says, hey, can I get a cigarette? And, you know, we're like, sure, like, you know, we're coming from this, from Bahrain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then they start taking out their coins and they're like, they want to pay you for that cigarette. Mm-hmm. Right. Or it's like, if okay, when you're in the States mm-hmm. and you go out for dinner with your friends, okay. what does the bill situation look like? Um, usually, uh, okay, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of an instance. <laughs> usually we split bills. Equally or do you itemize? So, so every, okay. Okay. That's a. Usually we have separate orders, so separate bills. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of an instance where we all had one bill and what we did. I in, think in a proper split, restaurant. I'm trying to think. <laughs> Maybe we split equally, even though I had like nothing. Yeah. I had like an appetizer and they had like <laughs> steaks or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've got 50 bucks. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> so 
what do you do in Bahrain? In Bahrain, you fight for the bill, basically. Yeah. You know, like it's like you always try to treat someone. Otherwise, yeah. you kind of split it, right? Yeah. Like itemizing is not really a thing. Yeah. Um, so what I was saying, this double-edged sword business is exactly what you said. So it's like, like for you go out for dinner, like in, in London, I go out for lunch or dinner with my friends every day. Mm-hmm. And now they're not English, right? Mm-hmm. So they're from the split bill mentality. And then I noticed one of my friends always sneaky, you know, he'd order the most and pay the least or equal, right? And I, then I'm like, if this is the way we're going to go, then I might as well order my three courses every time because it's going to cost <laughs> me the same anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. And, and regarding the whole how we do it here is like people are fighting for the bill. Yeah. There's also like a, like a subtle kind of social game going on, if you notice, where a lot of times, if it comes to it, you do want to, you will pay, but you're hoping that the other guy is going to keep declining. <laughs> and it's like, it's like a perpetual fight. Who's going to pay? Because I want to do the, the right thing. I'm going to cover it, but yeah. that guy's going to keep, and you're hoping yeah. for him to decline. Yeah. And then imagine, I, I think I remember this situation with my friend where he went out with his friends um, and they had to pay for the bill. And he said, oh, I got it. And nobody said anything. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, oh, really? Thank you. <laughs> like, really? Are we going to fight back? Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> so it's, it's, there's still obviously that human nature of, of, of selfishness or whatever. But yeah. I still like that you, you becoming uncomfortably uh, like yeah, generous. Generous. Um, you know, I mean, I think, look, Bahrainis. Middle East generally, mm-hmm. people are very generous. People yeah. are, and I think Bahrain especially are very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I thought Bahrain was the nicest as a population, the friendliest people mm-hmm. in the GCC until I went to Amman. That kind of blew my mind. I was mm. like, why are these people so nice? Like, yeah, this is this is not um, right. Mm. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is weird, you know what I mean? Yeah. Culture shocks. Uh, speaking of culture shocks, because I, I think it's a good thing to talk about when i went to when i went there to the u.s the driving is much much different yeah it's much safer even though the roads are bigger and bigger cars have better infrastructure they had some weird rules there they had some times where you would turn on a red light yeah yeah i'm like i don't understand that system because here it never happens you don't ever turn on red turn on a red light yeah I, i think it's because it's there's no there's no collision gonna happen for that particular lane that can turn yeah. or something like that. Yeah. We usually have merging turns. Like if yeah. you're going to turn right and a traffic light, they usually have a dedicated road that yeah, merges yeah, immediately. Yeah. I think that's their equivalent, but their infrastructure is so old. So for instance, Pittsburgh, which was an hour north of where I was, or no, I was an hour north. So Pittsburgh was an hour south of me. Um, the the city was built for, you know, carriages. Yeah. They're not built for roads like asphalt, yeah. right? Yeah. So... They're, they're so thin and they're they're bumpy and they're so bad. Yeah. And there's no way you can add extra like uh, turns or merging yeah. roads. Like yeah. that. I think that's why they had to come up with a system to to make everything flow better. But the anyway, the driving they're so much safer, so much safer, but slower. But you, but you know why why I think that is, mm-hmm. and that's the same case in Australia, by the way, mm-hmm. um, or even in London. Because the punishment's severe if you break the rules. If you go just a few miles over the speed limit and you get caught, you know, like the consequences, mm. right? That's what stops you. And like, I don't know about the States, but you know, they have the point system on the license. 
Like, for example, in the UK, if you get 12 points, they take your license away oh, for two years. Every traffic violation gives you points. Oh. And you only allow 12, right? Oh. So if you, if you get 12, you lose your license for two years or something like that. Mm. And at the same time, the driving tests are much more difficult. Mm. I feel like here the driving tests are quite easy, yeah, quite easy. lenient. That's why we have dumb drivers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but this is what makes the roads more dangerous, right? Yeah, yeah. It but, is. It is. I, I feel like there are more skilled drivers, not safe, right? They're skilled as in... Uh, they can go to the F1. No, <laughs> no, I mean like in the roads, the distance between cars is yeah. much closer and I don't usually see accidents happening from that. And there are accidents Are you talking about here or here. there? Or here, okay. Over there, the gap is huge between cars yeah. and it's which the way it's supposed to yeah. be. Yeah. But we don't have that much real estate in Bahrain to the, 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 no, but That's what's called the braking distance, right? Yeah, it's the braking distance, yeah. right? And over here, you have people in the fast lane just like blinking you from like a mile away. Hey, I, get I, out of my... I'm like, you're not even close the, to me, man. The, the thing that annoys me the most here yeah. is when you're in the fast lane and someone's flashing you and you're looking at your speed limit, you're like, I'm at the limit. Yeah. Do you want me to start going above the limit? Yeah. And you ask me to move. Yeah. You know, so you want me to move so you can break the law by going faster than the speed limit. You know what's more annoying <laughs> than that? You're at the speed limit. Yeah. They're blinking you from a mile away. Yeah. But you have 50 cars next to you. You can't really immerse. What, what do yeah. you want me to do? And, and there's, a camera, there's a camera in front of me. So if I speed up, yeah. I'm going to get the ticket. Yeah. You're from Saudi. You're yeah. not going to – I don't know if there's a system where the traffic violations move transfer to, to the, uh, KSA. <laughs> but uh, they don't care. So what I do is – And they're Bahraini a lot of the time. They're, they're, not all, they're not always Saudi that's blinking you, by the, the way. way. The way I think – okay. I say Saudi because – They're crazy drivers. Have you driven in Saudi? Uh, no, they are crazy. I've tried that once. Oh yeah, it's a different experience. I liked it. Mm -hmm. It's like your Need for Speed. <laughs> you can do whatever you want, yeah. and and they don't blink at you there. Okay. They bully you out of the way. Ah. they try to take over. Uh huh. In the I, fast lane. I see. <laughs> I I say Saudi because I'm thinking of a specific road coming back from home, and that's the uh, highway that takes you to Saudi. Yeah. So a lot of people, yeah. when I enter from Atrium Mall, yeah. which for people don't know, it's very close to the border to Saudi. So I'm in the fast lane of that highway. That's why I think I'm thinking of Saudi. Yeah. I, a lot of Bahrains yeah. as well. Um, what bothers me the most is, so I don't have a place to go. Yeah. To, right. I'm yeah. at the speed limit and you're blinking me from a mile away. Yeah. And then you're blinking like 50 million times. Yes. I swear to God, if you just come closer to me, blink me once, I always move. If a person yeah. does that, blink me once, I'll move. You know, if you want to go fast, I don't know what you're yeah. I, I, I'm not bothered. Yeah. But with these, with these schmucks that keep blinking, what I do is when I do get a chance to move over, I move like half the yeah. road. So I've forced them to yeah. like uncomfortably go through me. Yeah. Like you want to go through me, that's how you got to go through me. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I'm becoming more wise and mature now uh, mm. at 38, turning 39. Mm. But when I first came here, and this used to really bother me, I would just slow down. If you're gonna blink at me, I'm slowing down. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah. What are you gonna it's do? Gonna are you gonna crash into me? <laughs> it's gonna be your fault. I'm gonna keep him there as long mm. as I can. <laughs> you know what I did recently? For Black Friday, I bought myself a dash cam. You got a dash cam? I got a dash cam. What, for the front or for the, the back? Front. For the front. Yeah. I, I was gonna get one that's for both front and back. Yeah. Um, cause I was thinking maybe I want to do a compilation of how many people blink me and do like a music video <laughs> yeah. with it or something like that. That's, that's quite cool. Yeah. But, uh, I was like, eh, it was like a little bit expensive. Um, cause the one that's for both is like 4k, whatever. I'm like, I don't, I don't need 4k for a dash cam. But, um, it's one of the things where I, 
Um, I hope I'll never need it. But so if you I kept do. it for an accident? Yeah, so I've kept it for like mostly like accidents or whatever, or just dumb things that happen to yeah. me in front of me. Yeah. Like, and and it's, a, it's a very smart system. It's called Nexar. Yeah. They're not endorsing me. Sponsor me, please. <laughs> please, uh, please. We need the sponsorship here on the show. <laughs> no, but uh, it's... it's. We need to change the signboard. Sponsor us. <laughs> true. <laughs> to get a permanent fixture. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> to hang it. Yeah. To make it look more appealing. Um, but uh, no, so it's called Nexar. And what it, what it does is it detects when you like break hard. It automatically creates a clip. Um, if you're parked um, and the car's off, it'll record. Um, start recording while, while you're gone and you have unlimited like cloud storage and you, it can record like the previous 10 seconds, the previous 30 seconds. And like I said, unlimited cloud, cloud storage is like the key for me because what you can do is like, hey Siri, take a clip immediately in the cloud. Okay. You do also have local storage just in case um, with an SD card. But uh, for me, it's one of those things. How, how is it uploading to the cloud? Um, I think it's connected like to... Like you have a chip in it or something or? So I think it's connected to my phone. I said, here's hey, Siri, that's why. Um, so it's I, using up all your phone data to do this? Um, I think so. I think so. Uh, I, think, I think what it does is it locally stores it on your phone, and then you decide whether you want to upload it to the cloud. Okay. Um, so you can choose which clip, for instance. Okay. I can save it for later, come back home, get on Wi-Fi, and then upload it to the okay. cloud. But it's going to be on your phone locally first, okay. I think, um, on the app. That's quite cool. What made, you, what made you think of getting that? Like, he, And, you know, accidents normally are the guy behind is at fault. Yeah. <laughs> See, the, here's the, the way I think of it is, if an accident happens behind me, I'm going to be fine yeah. because I'm covered. Yeah. Usually you're at fault. Exactly. So having it in front of me, in case... Is he like having a story? It's like I have a story, you know, and it is, there's a, there's a lot, there was a lot of, there were a lot of situations in which dumb crap happened in front of me, which yeah. really annoyed me. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I want to record like these idiots. Okay. I'm trying not to cuss. Because okay. um, <laughs> I'm thinking of like a one incident where I got so angry, but that's for another day. Yeah. Um, to be honest, what maybe buy this particular one, I'm usually not a sucker for ads. Ah, uh, so it was an ad. Yeah, so the, interesting the, for the you. The marketing got you. The marketing that got me. Okay. When I saw it, um, they showed like the accidents that were caught by this camera. And like, man, like if – and situations in which and mostly in america what they do is they break break check you so they can get insurance like the guy in front of you wants to wants the guy behind yeah. to hit him so they can get some insurance yeah. money and that's pretty prevalent there and so the, these cameras would catch that um so it's one of those situations where i would hope to never need it but if i do i'll be glad to have it okay you know what i mean yeah um, plus, I I want to buy something for Black Friday. <laughs> Just say that. There's there's so many things I don't want to buy something that's useless. But I also like. So, mm. Did you see an ad, or did you browse a website and then pick that product? Good question. I saw this ad a long time ago. No, that was actually what the question I was coming mm. to. Was it the first time you saw the no, ad, or were you were you retargeted? I was. I was. I want to say. Re actually, that's a. I remember now. So I wasn't retargeted. Okay. I saw the ad. I thought it was a good company, good initiative. I followed them on Instagram. Yeah. And I started regularly getting ads on them on my Instagram, yes. but I never, never folded. Yes. When Black Friday hit, I was thinking, I want to buy something. What should I buy? And I didn't see an ad. I mean, it's like maybe that dash cam is uh, yeah. is on, on Black Friday sale. It has to be. I went like, yeah, they were I'm like, okay, there we go. Thank God I okay. waited. Okay. See, because you know, 70% of online transactions happen through retargeting and not through the initial ad. Oh. 
right? So like, you know, for people who like, um, you know, running their ads, I mean, let's say here, we, we do a kind of a poor job locally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think most uh, marketing companies or brands, let's not call them marketing companies because a lot of people do advertising in-house, yeah. you know, they don't outsource. Yeah. You know, they'll just go such on. Such as me. Such <laughs> as you, right? Okay. So you might just, and a lot of people just go on Instagram and they'll, they'll put an ad on Instagram through the app, mm-hmm. not through, not through the Facebook ad platform. Oh, so you don't have. That's better. Because you have more options on the Facebook ad platform. Oh, on Instagram, when using the app, because it's made to make your life easier. So you just go click, click, click. Mm. Whereas the, the ad platform looks kind of complicated. I'm right? going to have a conversation with you after the podcast. I want to I push an ad for the podcast. You should, you yeah, should. I want to. And, and so like, that's why you never get really retargeted in Bahrain. Mm. Have you noticed that? Like, you'll see a sponsored ad. Cool. But when it stops, it stopped. But you haven't like, except for one thing, to be honest, what's that? Paddle. Oh my God. Every day I get the same ads for paddles, like the same three, four courts in Bahrain. I'm like, man, just leave me alone. No, but see, that's not how retargeting should work. This is what I'm talking about. Right. And so this is one of the things we specialize in when I was saying in in our way of marketing. Okay. So it's like, for example, um, let's say I was running an ad for myself. Okay. Let's just use me as an example. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I did a, Hey, you know, we're hustle kitchen. We provide whatever service. Right. Mm. And then you didn't click it. You didn't do anything with it. Right. So I know you haven't bought from me or you mm. haven't got in touch with me or you haven't completed any actions that I wanted you to complete. Mm. So then we'll retarget you. Right. But this time the ad you will see won't be the first ad. It'll be, hey, I, I see you checked out my website. I see you saw my ad. You're still not taking any action. Let me tell you why you mm, should. Okay. The, you know, so the retargeting is to push it closer. And then maybe the third one will be, all right, listen, here's a 30% discount or here's a free consultation. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you can have the story. It's the, the psychology, right? So yeah. it's like the great thing with technology is you can track everything. So it's not like, for example, when we had billboards, that's it. That's just a billboard, you right? You can't see the imp- how many impressions you made. You yeah. can't see the impression, but you can't interact, mm. right? So now, um, you know, the beauty about it is that not only can you interact, but you can change, you can change the story and the timeline based on the psychology. I'm like, dude, I know this guy's seen my ad, but he's not interested. Mm. How can I now, if it was his second time round, what can I tell him different? If it's mm. the third time, what can I really push him with that's different? So with the paddle example, the first ad I will see is like, hey, our course is amazing. Yes. And then the next ad, and this guy knows I, he or she knows I, um, I didn't interact, interact with it. Yeah. So next time they'll be like, uh, we have the best court and here, here's why in Bahrain. This is why you should come here. A third time might be like, hey, Discount. here's 20% off uh, the, the court. Uh, right? how do you, and, how you see, and you see how your success level can increase dramatically mm. by doing that rather than the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I told you that like going from Tinder to Netflix and chill, mm. building that relationship with them instead of just annoying them. Okay. I'm just taking this information for the ad I'm, uh, ads I'm going to make for this. <laughs> so I'm getting free consultation here. <laughs> and it's really cool because you might run your ad to your website to a specific page. Mm-hmm. Or someone might have visited your website without any ads on a specific page, but you know that. So I'm like, if you've checked out this particular page or product on my website, then I want to show you you 
mm. an ad for that product mm, I because see. I know you visited already, so you have an interest. Yeah. Now yeah. let me keep a top of mind until you buy it. That happens with um, with every website you visit. With everything, right? <laughs> and it's it's not only that nowadays, and I'm pretty sure um, you would know. It's like nowadays, even if I say phrases or if I search certain phrases, isn't that freaky? It's so they say freaky. they don't do it. Yeah, like Facebook says, we don't listen to you and stuff like that. Yeah. I swear BS. I'm being listened BS. to. Yes, I talk about something. Mm. I see the ad that night, and, and you know, <laughs> with friends, they'd be like, "No, you must have like written written it somewhere." Yeah. I'm like, I did not search this at all. I can guarantee you, I can go through my history. There's no, not a single digital like footprint of me. Yeah. Like looking for it, except yeah. that I spoke about this once with my friend. Yeah. The next day, I got an ad about it. I'm like. It really annoys me. Like, you're listening. Stop listening. <laughs> you know what? I, I was going to buy the fact that, no, okay, maybe they don't listen or whatever. But it happened to me like a few days ago. Mm. I don't remember what it was. I was talking to someone about something, which I never talk about. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting bombarded with ads for that yeah. thing. I think it was even like a serviced office or something. Okay. You know, we're talking about, you know, these co-working spaces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I have no reason to look up a co-working space. I have my own office. Yeah. Right? So, but we're just having a chat about it. And then I start seeing co-working spaces. Did ads. you get Diwan as one of them? I think it was a D1. Could have been. I, I mean, I've seen ads from D1 before. Yeah, I, got, I got one today. It looks um, like a funky place. I don't know. There, there's another one um, around like FinTech. Bahrain Bay area, I think. I don't know where it's it like was. Brink. Brink. I, I went there today for the first time yeah. to How visit a friend. It's actually a really funky place. Mm. I was like, you know what? If I if I was like a startup, small business or a one-man team or whatever, starting a new thing, a lot of times, by the way, even if you have an office, I kind of like the Brink office, the design and layout more than having just a basic mm. office. You know what yeah. I mean? Like when, when, like, you know, years ago, we didn't have these things. Yeah. The best you had was Surf Corp, which was in the financial harbor. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Now it's called Harbor Gate or something. Is it called something else? Harbor Mall. I, I don't know. <laughs> they changed the name to something. Okay. Um, but yeah, and it was like the biggest ripoff in the world. I'm sorry, Surf Corp, if you're listening to this. But you're renting like a cubicle for like 500 dinars a month or something like that. Parking is not included. Internet oh not in. These are all add-ons, you know, like add for parking, add for internet, add for... I think getting a desk chair oh. in this queue. Oh no, that's crazy. Add for someone to pick up your phone calls. Add, 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 add for printing. Add for the meeting room. You well, know, you like book ad hoc. Like two k a month. I'm like, just yeah. go rent an office. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. for someone who wants to say, "Hey, I'm in the financial yeah. harbor. It looks for cool." The view. For the view, yeah, it's that's crazy. With uh, with me, when it comes to businesses, I'm not like crazy about entrepreneurship um, in the sense that I'm not an entrepreneur yet we'll see <laughs> but um never say never of course of course <laughs> i'm always open to it. i always have these ideas coming yeah. in my head and then um but I, I was thinking when it comes to businesses a lot of people focus on the wrong thing i don't know where i heard this but a lot of entrepreneurs were previously employees yeah and they go to it from an employee perspective yeah what they do is and a business is supposed to have an office. A business yeah. is supposed to have this. So you spend so much money yeah. on on unnecessary stuff. Unnecessary things when you were supposed to first work on the product that yes. you want to sell. And yes. then these things follow. Yes. Right? And so a lot, a lot of people, a lot of businesses here fail because people want to rent these offices in, in, in these areas. Yeah. 
and it's too expensive and you, you didn't even start on, on, on your product yet. Yeah. Like this is why I love the co-working space thing. They've, they've really changed that option. Pay a hundred dinars a month or mm. whatever it is. Very affordable. Yeah. Got a funky place to work at and you can meet like-minded people uh, as yourself. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. We didn't have that before. I think people are getting smarter to that now, yeah. you know, but back in the day, yes, you're right. It was, um, it's my office, my desk. I need a secretary. Mm. I don't even, no one's calling me, but I need a secretary. Mm. I need business cards. I yeah. need this. I need that. That is the exciting part for them. That is why, right? Yeah. Because when they first, when you first start, you don't know how much of a mountain you go to climb and all mm. the challenges. You, could, you don't know you're going to hate yourself at least once a week <laughs> for the next couple of years or maybe even the rest of your life, mm. right? You, you're going to think it's easy. And I love um, when, you know, you meet new startups and new entrepreneurs and, you know, the, I'm talking about the young ones, you know, obviously since they haven't had that experience yet, yeah. right? And so they're still living on cloud nine. You know, mm. the world is a beautiful place. Once I open my business, the floodgates will open and they're already picking out the Lamborghini they're going to buy next year, you know, before selling one product, you know, and you look and you're like, what are you basing this on? It's like, for example, say, hey, there's a million people in Bahrain, right? They all eat. <laughs> if I could just get 1% of that market, <laughs> I'll be great, you know? <laughs> Bahrain and, and restaurants, it's just the worst. So I, I'm giving restaurants as, as an example, yeah, yeah, yeah. but literally they'll go like, you know, University 101 style, right? Where it's like, the target market is this big, mm. okay? So it's a population of a million. Mm. Let's say 500,000 of them are within my interest range. Okay, my product, it's not expensive, it's 20 dinars. Now, if I just sell to 10% of that, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I'll make at least 200,000 dinars, yeah. right? Life is great, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And then they start. And they're really excited when they're designing the brand logo, designing you know the website, designing their business. This is the exciting part. Now, where, where, where do people really get stuck? They do not like to pick up the phone. Mm. You know, when you're like, okay, dude, well, I mean, if you're not in the retail business, if you're in the service-based business, right? Or like, let's say all these apps today. Mm -hmm. Now that's the hot trend, right? Everyone yeah. wants an app. Everyone yeah. wants to be the startup for the app, for the app, for the app. Yeah. First of all, before I even get into that, why do we have new food delivery apps popping up left, right, and center still? Yeah, I don't understand. The old ones got crushed yeah. by Talabat, yeah. and people still think they have a chance, mm -hmm. right? And now I'm hearing, okay, I don't want to mention names here, but like, because there's some people I met recently, okay? okay. Two separate people who yeah. kind of had the same logic behind it when I asked the question why, right? And it's coming back to exactly what we were talking about before. They're like, I know Talabat's there. Now, if I get just 5% of Talabat's orders per day, then I'm going to be good. Mm. <laughs> I, to me, that's like such a bad mentality because uh, it's like you have, for instance, Apple and Samsung. Yeah. They're pretty much dominating yeah. the phone market. Obviously, there's some others like Huawei, whatever. But yeah. these two are like the big boys, right? Uh, to me, it's it's very strange. Unless you're a very big and established company who can afford to um, spend so much in R and D, yeah. and, and if you're very confident in beating these two companies, then go for it. But there's a lot of people. I'm just giving using them as an example. Of course. But if you have a company that that is like maybe medium sized and they want to compete with iPhone, you, you're just competing with something that's already established. Yes. 
And that's the that's the problem with a lot of businesses here is yeah. that Talabat is established. If you have some sort of like revolutionary, it'll take you a lot to beat Talabat, yeah. right? If you're just hoping uh, or you're betting on the fact that you might get 5% of Talabat, that's not a good business model. <laughs> this is a horrible business it, model. That's horrible. <laughs> and that's the issue with Bahrain. People are focusing so hard yeah. either in two things. Because what I'm suggesting is try to solve an issue or a problem that no one has solved. Yeah. Or people are trying, but no one has a found a good solution yeah. to, right? But it's it's like a it's either extremely this way, which is I'm going to compete with established markets, yeah. or I'm going to do something different for the sake of being different. I haven't found that yet. Okay. Right. I find the other one first. Okay. So so in my experience, no one likes to be a first mover, mm. right? So you remember the pink berries and the yog berries, yes, and yes. you remember the cupcakes, and yes. you remember burgers, mm. right? So once. I think it's the mindset of they see an established successful business and they're like, well, they charge a lot of commission. We can beat that price. You know, so then they'll, they'll be like, I can, if, he could, if they can do it, we can do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then the ugly truth only reveals itself after like you go online and unfortunately, it costs them a lot of money because, you know, in the beginning, people love to raise investment or put their life savings into it. Yeah. Good luck getting that back in a year's time. Then they're mm. hoping acquisition. Who wants to buy something that's not winning? You know what I mean? So look at look at like the unique example. So like if you look at like for example, um, was Malab? Yeah. Right. Not food. Mm -hmm. Solved the problem. Yeah. Worked. Yes. You know what yes, I mean? Yes. <laughs> um, a, a very good example actually. Malab is a very good example, and um, I think what we lack that I have come to find is that there's a lack of education in this area and, mm. and, and economics and business in, in general. I'm not saying I'm an expert, but once I entered and once I took, for instance, in college, I took microeconomics yeah. and macro, I understood how this works. Yeah. Right. Um, and when I come back here and I see these businesses that, that are doing these practices that are like so bad, yeah. like they, they're either, stupid which i don't want to assume that they're stupid yeah or they're just oblivious they don't know how it works they just see an established marketplace like oh if i go in i'm gonna get some of that it's like guaranteed i'm gonna get money yeah. and they yeah. don't understand that's not how it works yeah you, you know I, I would i would i have the best example or mm. you know why this happens mm. it's like when someone first opens a restaurant i had a restaurant before so i can come for i can speak from experience and, you know, I mean, from my opinion, like, I mean, at that time, my, my marketing agency, like we served over 200 restaurants as clients. Oh, wow. So I had an insight as well. So I didn't mm. come completely blind. Okay. Right. Yeah. But I had never owned one, mm. but I'm not completely blind either. Cause I'd seen the kitchens. I've sat with operation managers. I had a lot of insight in comparison, but I don't know how to cook or anything like that. Yeah. But you know, like, you know, as people go, like how, how, how hard is it to get food, right? Everyone's hungry. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I mean, I didn't come, obviously I'm not that stupid to have come with that idea, but a lot of people do think that, right? Yeah. But I had never run a restaurant. Mm -hmm. So what do I know about how to manage a restaurant once you open it or you're, and then you're like, oh my God, the staff, the operation, the ordering, the supplies, the this, yeah. this, and it's a 24 hour business, the seven days a week, like it never shuts off, right? Mm -hmm. And we yeah. actually did. Well, I would say, you know, in terms of our brand was well-known. I don't know, like, do you know Londoner or did you know Londoner? The okay, Donna Kebab I'm, place. I'm the worst person to ask because I'm very bad with restaurants. Okay. So okay. it's not, so it's this not is saying this, it, I, No, no, I know. Okay. But this place doesn't exist anymore, but okay. it was the first Donner Kebab uh, in Bahrain. Okay. Now, 
people will see it from the outside. Like that looks pretty easy. They're assuming, well, I don't know how to cook, but I just hire a chef, right? Mm. I'm not the one going to be flipping burgers. I'm not the delivery guy driving it. So it must be really easy until they actually do it. Yeah. And then they realize, you know, most restaurants don't make money in Bahrain, by the way. But then when it comes to apps, like this is the problem now with startups is that they're seeing an app. So when you look at something like Taliba or any app, mm-hmm. right? And like, that looks pretty simple. You know what I mean? Yeah. What they don't see is why would Taliba have 500 staff members in Bahrain for this one little thing that you think is simple. Yeah. And that's not including the thousands of drivers that work. This is just hardcore stuff, right? The operations behind it is where the app fails. It's not about the app, because if it was about the app, anyone could develop an app and be like, great, right? Exactly. Signing up merchants, making merchants happy, the marketing, the workflow, dealing with complaints, dealing with whatever. There's so much involved. It's like, sometimes you think it's easier to just open a shop. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. because they don't see the behind the scenes, this is where um And this is where I'm saying like, they, they lack the education on it, right? Yeah, because who shows you behind the scenes of an Nobody. app? Nobody. You know, unless you're searching it. Yeah. Like I once went to Kareem's office in Dubai. Um, you know, if, um because when I was like in charge of flash deals, which is my app. Okay. And we we're doing a collaboration. Mm-hmm. I go to their office. And you know, you're like Kareem's like Uber, you know, you're like, mm-hmm. it's a taxi app. Okay, I know there's going to be a lot of people working in a taxi app, but why did you need a whole building full of people? You know, like, mm. what, are, what are these thousand people doing with this taxi app, yeah. right? And I'm like, that's crazy, right? Mm. So when you see that, you're like, yeah, that's why they're big okay. and we're not. That can make sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not like someone here opens a taxi app, you know, just tries to get five taxis on board and is like, come on, let's go. You know what I mean? We're going to be Uber. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. You know what this reminds me of? So I went to college for um, computer science yeah. um, and I minored in business, uh, which is why I took the economics classes. Um, it reminds me of a uh, uh, principle and object-oriented uh, programming, OOP, which is called abstraction, Yeah, I think. What it basically is, it's a principle in which you do your best to hide the engine of the code yeah. and make it simple. Like it's like a, the way that my professor explained it to me is: imagine having a Ferrari, right? The engine of Ferrari is very complicated, very yeah. complex, but it's all covered by the chassis and by the hood. Yes, right. And so this is basically what an app is. There's yes. a lot of effort made to make it look simple yes. and absorbable, absorbable by the yeah. demographic uh, or the target dem- demographic. But there is a lot going on, and it's it's like a organized chaos, yes. behind, you know, beneath beneath the hood. Definitely, and that's, that's what the building was. That's that was the engine, right, for for Karim, at least in that area. Exactly, you exactly. Know. So that's what I'm saying. So it's um, you know, hopefully, with time, obviously they'll get it. Yeah. I mean, this, this reminds me of the funniest thing ever. Like when I was running my other, my first agency, H2M. So we're digital agency. We did websites and stuff. Okay. No one was doing apps in those days. This mm-hmm. pre-app days. And one guy walks into my office and he's like, I have a great idea that I want to do. I'm going to, I'm going to build something like Google, but it's better than Google. <laughs> and I'm like, you see that door? Feel free to leave. <laughs> <laughs> this, reminds me, this reminds me literally of, uh, of the, the movie called The Internship. I don't know if you watched I've it. I've seen that, yeah. Uh, I don't know what they're saying. So the students are like, they're trying to develop an app, right, for the contest. Yeah. For the, for the contest. Contest, contest in, yeah. in, the, in the movie. And so the, the old guys who join are like, let's do this. I, th- I don't know if it was Google or something else. 
and they're explaining like you know upload images and share it with friends <laughs> or whatever you're like the students are like so facebook no no no, no, no. instagram it's, <laughs> it's 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 it has this feature yeah. so facebook no it's facebook but better <laughs> yeah. so they wanted to build better than google with um a two thousand you know budget oh. <laughs> Yikes, man. <laughs> I'm not even going to entertain it. <laughs> you know, but it did make my day. Okay. Like, this is a story good. that stayed with me forever. It was a success. Yes. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, this is to anybody, right? I had this million dollar idea. Okay. And everybody says that. I know. Yeah, of course. Okay. In Bahrain, if you can pull this off, I kept it like hush because maybe one day I was going to do it, but I feel like it's impossible at this okay. point. So, but if you, if you do it, give me some commission, all right? Some royalties give or whatever. Some, 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 some recognition. Some recognition. recognition. 10%, right? Of all revenue. or Sponsor yeah. the podcast if yeah. you do it. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea is a shooting range. A shooting range? Yeah. A shooting range in Bahrain because nobody ever there's, shoots guns. There's no there shooting is, range, Because right? it's illegal. Right? So no, nobody can like own a shooting range and bring yeah. weapons in. Yeah. So the only way you can do this is if you, my idea was convince the government. Okay. Okay. If you can like hold a presentation somewhere and some higher up and be like this, if we cooperate and open a shooting range together, because I know your, yeah. um, so the representative of the government, I know your concern is people like handling guns or whatever. Yeah. So you can bring your own security ministry of interior, whatever to, uh, this high security um, facility yeah. have the guns like um, tied to something. I don't know what, what the process is, but if you can convince, yeah, you're guaranteed to make a lot of money because everybody wants to shoot a gun and people will travel from Saudi or whatever to, to just come here and, and, and shoot a gun. Yeah. But you can't because you have to convince the government. That's where I'm like, ah, I don't think I can do that. I mean, it is a fantastic idea, by the way. Yeah. And in Dubai, see, they do have shooting they ranges. Okay, yeah, great. Right? I mean, obviously, we have our restrictions here. We can't even fly a drone yet, you yeah, know? Yeah. So before the shooting, before, the guns, there, um, before the guns come in, we just want to put a drone so our videos look better. Wasn't there a company <laughs> that had license, but then they got, they yeah, got the a took, drone or something? Didn't it get take, taken, the license? Because I, I'm not sure. Yeah, okay, I've heard. This is what I've heard. This is like last year, I think. But they got their license taken because there was a drone apparently flying some um, restricted place. Okay. And they're like, you're the only ones that can operate the drones. Yeah. So it must be you or something like that. And so they took a license. That's why I've heard, allegedly. Okay. Um, so I don't think we, don't, we even have drones anymore. No, like, and, and, and because you couldn't have drones, so they were charging a really like good amount um, well, to get a, drone footage. Yeah. You know, which... I mean, monopoly. these things are a bit annoying, though, you know, like, but like at the shooting range, maybe work with the government on that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, then, in, uh, in partnership. So they bring their own because it's a great touristic thing for them. It is. But the thing is, I, I, I was thinking if I give them this idea, what use am I? They have the guns. They yeah. have the <laughs> they have the ability to build the infrastructure. Yeah. I'm just going to be expendable. Yeah. How am I going to convince it to put, keep me in? Like, just pay me for the idea, <laughs> baby. <laughs> are BB guns illegal, too? Uh, it's they're not illegal, but they're very hard to bring in. But can you have a shooting range with BB guns, like professional BB guns? It's still maybe because we used to have activity. a paintball. We used to have a paintball. It's not the same. That's the thing. We had to have a paintball yeah. arena, and and um, it just uh, it, I think it went bankrupt or something. It's not there anymore. 
So people want to shoot real guns. Yeah, yeah. They want to shoot. Like you can maybe you can do a bow and arrow range. I've yeah. done that before in, in the U.S. It was fun. Is that allowed? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Hey, I'm gonna cut this part out in case. But it's still not the same as a gun. Like I've shot guns in the U.S. It's yeah. an amazing feeling. I've never shot a gun. Yeah, it's an amazing feeling. It's it's. Uh, I did. I went to what well, was called clay pigeon shooting. I'm pretty sure you know. It's like they throw discs in the air yeah. and shoot them. And it's, it's like a, like like the first game we ever played on Nintendo. Yeah, duck hunt. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> um, so. Uh, I was going to say, like... Did you shoot the clay? Yeah. So you're a good shot. I was pretty good. Okay. Here's, here's a funny story. <laughs> so a friend of mine, Austin Everett, he was a year above me, but we were in the same fraternity. Yes, I was in fraternity, but it's not like partying and stuff. Okay. Uh, well, then what's the point? Yeah. To, I was so, so, so do you still have frat brothers and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, in, I was, in, a, I was in a Christian college, so it was very tame. Um, okay. But tell us honestly, like, no, what, what did you have to do to join? Okay, pledging was... Uh, what was, was the pledging like? Uh, pledging was... And it was not like the movies where you have to, like... <laughs> Pick up crap uh, and whatever. Yeah, no, it wasn't that bad. We just had to make these tedious tasks every day, and we had, like, half an hour to sleep for a whole week, and I had midterms at that point. What kind of tasks? Um, so What's what, the worst thing you ever did? The pledging? My, I, was, I, and pledging. I, had, I had a pretty, pretty tame. Mine okay. was... Uh, I had to do, like... Uh, a music video in the middle of the cafeteria or something like that. Like acting it? Um, yeah. No, I, I had to produce it. I had to bring people, <laughs> tell them like, you know, okay. I'm, I'm like directing them in front of people. Okay, okay. And so they would have to, yeah. There was one where I had to That's make not it. bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. That's all I'm saying. It's not like when I say fraternity, people judge me. I'm like, no, man, it's not like that. It was more like a brotherhood thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was I saying before this? So, sorry, just, yeah, just before you get yeah. there, was that just your your frat that was the lame Everybody. one, or was everyone's lame? Yeah. We actually our frat frat got in trouble later on because of the pledging. It was too extreme, even though it wasn't. Okay. But people didn't get sleep and stuff, and so they they had to t even tame it down further. Everybody. Which university? It's called Grove City College, G R O V E City College. Where's that? It's an hour north of Pittsburgh. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, you were saying about the frats before that. What, what were we talking about? Because I, I was we went from the shooting. Yes. So so Austin Everett. As, um, during my time in college, I didn't always have a place to live because we would have Thanksgiving where the college closes, and I can't live in the dorms in there. So some, somebody has to host me. So okay. Austin's one of the guy. Um, thank you, Austin, for hosting me. Cheers, Austin. Um, cheers. So he hosted me and I met his dad. I loved his family. Everybody, they were all like very friendly. They're all nice people. They were in Michigan. And um, his dad um, jokes a lot. Okay. Okay? He makes racist jokes about me, but I allowed it. It's fine. Like, yeah. I don't mind it. It was very funny. It was not, it was not like distasteful like, yeah. um, humor. Like he, he was pretty good. So I'll give you one of the examples. We go, um, it's my first time ever shooting, ever. Okay, we go. We, we pack the shotguns. There's one double barrel shot shotgun, so people don't know. It's like you have to open it up and insert two shells and then close it up. Okay. Another one's a pump shotgun, so you slide the cock. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so um, we went, and his dad. We didn't have a machine that would throw the discs, so his dad would take the discs and throw them in the like air. Manually, just chuck them. Like there's a device he had that made it easier to chuck them. Okay. So he's and a strong dude. He's a strong dude. <laughs> yeah. And um, first, they tell me about security and everything of, of the weapons. Um, 
and I was trying to be very thorough listening and we had the ear protection, eye protection. And the rule is you never shoot if there's somebody like next to you, like parallel. Okay. Okay. And, uh, so he, he, we go and Austin goes first. Okay. And he goes, he gets seven out of 10. Okay. All right. And it's like pretty good. That's pretty not good. Bad. Not, that's not, not bad. bad yeah. Right. And, uh, I go in my first time ever. I got nine out of 10. First time, <laughs> first ever. time ever. Like, did you play a lot of video games yeah, growing up? Shooting and stuff? Like, play video games. Shooting games? Yeah, shooting okay. games. Um, <laughs> so the only reason I didn't get the last one is because his dad, I have the video too. Okay. His dad threw it so low to the ground, it's pretty much impossible to get at that point. <laughs> Maybe he was feeling a little pity for his son because yeah. he's been shooting since he was a kid. Yeah. And you know what his dad says to me? Must be in your blood, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Must be all that terrorist training. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like laugh, like, oh my goodness. Yeah, very spot on. But no, they were amazing. And then... Um, I just want to know, like, the, when you first shoot a gun, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't, like, what is, is it, does it push you back? Um, if you, it depends. Um, when I shot an AR-15, it had pretty big pushback, okay. uh, kickback. Um, as long as you are, so you have to um, push the gun against your shoulder um, and have a very good position. As long as you're like that, then you should be fine. Once you shoot once, your body kind of subconsciously adjusts. adjusts. Yeah. With well, the shotgun, wasn't that bad. Um, okay. I'll show you a clip later. Um, it wasn't like it's a, it's a little bit kickback. Okay. What had a lot of kickback was the Magnum, the, the like pistol, the, yeah. the revolver. That they, when they when they teach you how to shoot that is they teach you when you shoot, make sure you intently go above your head. Like you, you, you don't, don't resist the recoil. Don't, yeah. don't, don't like try to bring it down. Yeah. Just go with the recoil. So you shouldn't go so, up. And go up above your forehead because you can smack the gun to your forehead. Oh, crap. Yeah. So they tell you when you shoot, make sure your elbows drive above your head with the Magnum. And that was a very strong gun. Very inaccurate, by the way. Inaccurate. It's, it's not like when you aim, it's exactly where it goes. Yeah. Every, every kind of gun has its own identity. So um, his Austin's pistol, his favorite pistol, I think it was called a Mosquito or something. Um, he always did better than me in pistols. Always, um, I did better in clay pigeon shooting because that was straightforward. I had to aim and shoot, and went because it was a shotgun that has a lot of pellets that spread, yeah. right? So it not have to be very accurate, but you just have to be around the same the vicinity of the of the clay pigeon. With this, you kind of have to be accurate. It's like single bullets, right? Yeah. What I noticed is the gun doesn't go where you aim. It, every gun has its own identity in a sense. It can go slightly, slightly left and down. Okay. Once you figure out that identity of the gun then yeah. you can be very very accurate okay. Austin knew it okay i didn't okay so I, I kept like how am i missing i'm like literally aiming straight i'm like yeah. angling anywhere <laughs> and it just keeps going like down left down left once it's like bowling when i used to when i bowl every time i try to throw from the middle it always goes to the right so yeah. what i did is i adjusted went yeah, to the yeah, left yeah, yeah. so i was within the middle <laughs> yeah so like, i did the same thing and then i became accurate so it's pretty fun experience yeah um, so he, they hosted me twice. So this year and then year after, ironically, the second year I did worse than clay, clay pigeon shooting, but I think it's because I was using the other shotgun, not the one I was used to. Yeah. Excuses. I know. <laughs> um, and then a th- another friend of mine hosted me and I shot a world war two sniper rifle. And it's nice. called the Mazen Nagat. 
I'm getting, um, I'm getting a bit worried for you. You're really into your guns, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, really, they're really fun. No, but it was, it's like a cathartic experience. It's like you release kind of, it's like going to the gym yeah. or uh, I've heard like you're doing a challenge, like you're walking every day. Yeah, that 30 day challenge. 30 day challenge. How's that going? I, I mean, I'm, I'm transitioning to another topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before they get even more worried. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, um, I lost track of the days after I went to Dubai last week. Um, so I, th- assuming I'm on day 30 or two days away. Okay. I think the 15th will be uh, 30 days. Um, yeah, I'm down like nine and a half kilos. Oh, wow. Nice. And man, it's like life transforming, right? Yeah. And what do I mean by that? Because I've been like, I reached like the maximum, maximum weight I've ever been in my life, which was 104.5 kilos. How tall are you? 184 or something okay. like that. Okay. okay. So 185 maybe. Okay. Um, but yeah, I reached 100. I've never been 104.5. Okay. And last year, I was at the lowest weight I ever was, which was I reached 78. Oh, wow. So now I went from like being perfect yeah. <laughs> for me, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, to being so overweight, right? And I didn't have a scale for ages. So when I bought a scale, I put it down. I'm like 104.5, got a heart attack right yeah, there, right? Reality slaps. Reality slaps. I was like, you know, got to do something about it now. And you know, you know, you reach the point where... My motivation comes when everyone's like, hey, saying you become fat now. Yeah. It's gaining weight, aren't you? Yeah. When when like five people tell me that, then I'm like, okay, it's time to do something about it's it, like right? The opposite is good when you like lose weight. People say, man, you lost weight. Yeah, yeah. And they don't even know you're working out or whatever. I'm like, man, yeah. that means I'm doing something right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And for me, um, you know, so obviously not judging others, but I know myself, my mental state. I mean, when I'm overweight, I'm mentally not as healthy. Like I don't feel good. I don't, I don't feel confident. Oh, okay. I don't want to like, like, let's say like I do a lot of Instagram videos and stuff. I don't want to be on camera. Mm. Right. So it affects everything. Yeah. It's not necessarily about the weight, but it's about how you feel about yourself on the inside. Yes. And for me, the outside reflects on how I feel inside. Yes. Right. So Which is true for a lot of people, even for me. Yeah. For me. Yeah. I was like you, like, uh, I'm, I'm 186, 187 right now, but I'm pretty sure like when I was in high school, I was 117 kilos. And at that, at that time, I must have been 183, 184. Like, twice. Yeah. Um, so to me, no one's people. I'm the type of guy that people would never tell me that I got fat because I've been fat my entire life. Okay. That was kind of my identity. Yeah. Right. And when I got accepted to go to study in the US, I'm yeah. like, I can start over. Yeah. I don't want to be known as a fat guy there. Yeah. Because even how, if, so how big was that? Like how fat was fat when you're talking about yeah, it? Yeah, so 117 kilos. And we're about the same height. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. That's pretty that's like I get it. Yeah. Twelve kilos more than you, thirteen kilos more than yeah. you were. Yeah. Um so when I yeah. Cause I tried to lose weight before that numerous times and I never got it. Yeah. But this time I had like a motivation, like I'm going to go to America. I want to be a different person. Yeah. I can like have a clean slate because even if I lose weight here, yeah. I'll, be, I'll still be known as a fat kid. Like, or yeah. you're the kid, fat kid yeah. that lost weight, right? Yeah. That's all, even to this day, yeah. I, I have that as my identity with people, with a lot of people that associate me back to yeah. school. Um, so every day I'm doing what you're doing, walking, just walking around saw yeah. and listening to music. And I, at first I hated it. First, because I couldn't like walk more than five minutes without feeling like my everything's killing me. Yeah. I can't, I can't breathe, whatever. Yeah. Um, but every day I, w- I would walk, um, better distance. I would get more comfortable. I have flat feet. So it, it sucks to this day. I, I still walk every day, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, if I, if I'm not going to the gym, I'm walking. Yeah. Just to clarify. 
But uh, no, I mean, it's so true that, that the outside is such a reflection of the inside for me. Because um, when I, it's like a cyclical kind of relationship. When I lose weight, I feel better. When I feel better, I do more productive things that help me lose weight. Yes. It's like cyclical. Like it feeds into itself. Yes. Once you break that loop, that's where it sucks. Because when you break that loop and you feel like, oh, I, bro- I, I broke that. I'm going to eat. I eat. I feel worse. What do I do when I feel worse? I eat more. Yes. That's, that's the other dangerous cycle yes. you have, right? Because it's almost like you reach, when you break it, like obviously it doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, when you've, when you've lost weight. Um, so when I was like 78, mm. it took me six to seven months of eating crap and like, not working out yeah. to gain weight, yeah, you know, to see the, a difference, yeah, right. So you stay fit for a while, just naturally, because you know your body, your metabolism's almost up, right? Yeah, uh, and then once you actually get into that decline, you, it goes so hard, and yeah. then it's like he feels like such a mountain to climb to get it back. But then you remember how you f- felt before, and you're looking at how you feel now, and you're like, man, life sucks like this, you know, and. On top of that, obviously, the walks, I don't know about for you, for me, it's like when you're active, your brain becomes more active. You feel more smarter. I spoke about this like at least two times in this podcast. Yeah. I told people when I work out in the gym, because when people ask me for some advice or some help, I almost always wait until I go to the gym. Yes. And then, because when I'm at the gym, I'm, when I'm active, thoughts come. Yes. Thoughts come. I'm like, oh, I think I know how to best solve your, yes. your your problem and then after the gym i send them voice note i'm like i don't want to lose this train of thought so yeah. i send them voice even though i'm like panting and i'm i'm, I'm tired i don't want them to think like oh i'm just doing this after the gym because he you know he just wants to get rid of yeah. it and i'm doing it intently because once i'm active my brain works yes it's, it's such a such an amazing thing it's though. an amazing and, and it stays with you for the rest of the day yeah. So today, like, for example, I had a busy morning, um, so I didn't get time to do it. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'll do it after your podcast. But actually, I had dressed up to go out for a walk before coming here. Because mm. I'm like, I because psychologically now I'm like, I didn't do my daily exercise. So I want to do my exercise before coming here to be more energetic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. I get, but, uh, but then like, I didn't have the time. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it later. I'm like dressed up like, like this. I'm, I'm going to walk like this. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I was literally dressed yeah. up to go out and I was like, oh man. But yeah. but yeah, so like now, like, I, I mean, I haven't, my goal is 85 kilos, mm-hmm. right? It's my ideal weight. My ideal weight is around 83. Mm. I'm at 95 now. Oh, so good. it's at 104.5. Mm. You know, clothes are fitting again. My face looks Once human again. Double digits? How, well, how is that feeling? Once you go <sighs> from 100 to 99, um, it feels amazing. That was great. Now I'm just waiting to be below 95. Mm. So I'm 95.5. Mm. <laughs> I'm, ni- I'm 98 right now. You're 98. Yeah. Okay. But I'll, I, so, I also lift. So that's why I don't have like a target weight. Now it's more become. That's how you look. Yeah. You don't look at the scale. If, if you feel fine, yeah. the weight doesn't matter. Yeah. I only look at the weight because I'm like, I know where my weight should be, mm. even if I'm bulking. Yeah. Because I, I used to like, you know, go to the gym every day, like mm. back in the day, you know? So I know that even if I'm bulking, I'm still 85. Mm. So yeah, like now, like I feel better. I feel more confident. I want to go out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it changes your life. And and the reason I did it, I said 30 days specifically was that's a short space of time, by the way. Like, you know, usually like natural weight loss happens at what well, half a kilo to a kilo a week. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted to just prove that it can be done faster. So not only you see me on the walk, I also then go to the gym, same time, same day. 
and I was on a keto diet oh. all, all, all together, right? Okay. That might be a little bit unhealthy. Yeah, but I wanted the speed. Speed, yeah. Okay. Right? I wanted to see how much I could push myself in 30 days, yeah. right? And to see if I can get somewhere that I'm happy with. To be honest, I'm happy now. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I've still got weight to lose, mm-hmm. but I'm happy. Mm-hmm. That's right? why it's important. Yeah. Exactly. And then I was like, well, so if you are overweight and you're seeing my process, and hopefully that's some motivation for yeah. you. I have a theory. Once you lose weight twice, mm. you can do it. You, you won't get worried anymore. For me, when I first lost my weight, by the way, when I was talking about um, America, right? Yeah. I went from 117 to 84 in the, in the span of six months. That's because you don't have a car there. You're walking around. No, I, before, I, know you, I know you were intentional. But before I went there. Uh, before you went. So you lost it before I you went. It, I started in high school because I applied in high school and I got accepted and everything. Ah, so you did it um, here. So I did it here. Okay. Every day I would walk and then people will see me lose weight. Yeah. And um, after that, when I lost all the weight, I, you know, I didn't lift weights. Um, so I mostly like was starting to become skinny fat. Yeah. Like my arms were very skinny, yeah, yeah. but I still had this tummy and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. And, but I still like, I was still proud of it. I, was, yeah. I still felt good. I can buy large, sort of X large now. It yeah. feels so good. I don't have to wear like a, a shirt over my t-shirt every anytime to or cover the, to cover yeah, the, like, yeah, my feet. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to cross my elbows every time yeah. I walk when I was or, a kid. Or, or the other way around, you know, you wear the shirt on top of the t-shirt because the shirt doesn't close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you pretend that's the style. Yeah. You don't even have an open shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, um, and I went, went going to America. Food was not well, was not good. I'm trying to be. I'm a Muslim, so I'm trying to be doing the halal thing. Halal, okay. right? A lot of people don't care when they travel. Like, yeah. man, just say Bismillah yeah. and eat for me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know something. I don't want to. I don't want a lot of fish. Yes. Yeah, so did, did you have many halal restaurants in no, your area? So in my area it was bad. Unless I go to Pittsburgh, which is an hour, I don't have a car. Yeah. So every time I want to go with a friend, I have to pay for gas, and I always want to yeah. treat them too. When I when we yeah. go to the place called Digila in Pittsburgh, it was really good. Okay. Um, but no, I would eat salads. Or I would eat like garbage, like food, like M and M's from from Walmart, and the portion sizes are huge, and for yeah. like half the price. <laughs> were, were you a fish fillet guy? Um, yes. In McDonald's. In McDonald's, yeah. Fish fillet. Yeah, but mostly uh, fish fillet from McDonald's. I like with the mayo. I, I know yeah, what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. The tartar sauce. Yeah, tartar yeah. sorry, tartar yeah. sauce. Um, but I, I love that sandwich. It was good. I don't know if I love it because I grew up like because it wasn't halal. Okay. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. so I grew up on it, yeah. right? But even like here in Bahrain, where I have the option, I will have a fish fillet on the side. You yeah. know what I mean? I still love the taste. We, have, we had our own cafeteria, so I didn't always have to go to, because McDonald's was a little bit, little bit far, and I don't want to order because, yeah. you know, there's a whole topic of tipping and stuff, which I didn't like. Yeah. But I understand that their circumstances there are different than here. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I would always get a fish sandwich from, from and that still wasn't like healthy. But uh, I always eat. I would always eat like garbage food. I mean, pizza, I cheese pizza. Pe- yeah, cheese pizza. Yeah, and uh, just like snacks from Walmart. Yeah, um, nuts and everything. I because it's not something I wanted to do, but I had I had to do it. Yeah. The other option was to eat their, the the cafeteria's chicken every yeah. day and beef, and I didn't want to do that. And you didn't want to cook. Uh, they wouldn't let you. They would. There's they no don't kitchen. Let you. There's no the, kitchen. Oh, there's no kitchen in the no, door. No. So you have to eat. Yeah. Processed food. Yeah. And so I got really fat again oh no way yeah um so at this point i kind of had doubts 
Because I'm like, maybe that was a fluke the first time because <laughs> I can't do it this time. It took me a while. Yeah. But then t- it took a while, like a year or something. And it was coming back to Bahrain for summer, I lost all of it again. Okay. Once I lost that second time, I'm like, okay, now I know if I shouldn't be worried if I ever, ever get fat. But you should be not worried. Yeah. You should just maintain. Like, yes. you know, like, as in like, once you've lost the weight, you don't have to be on a diet anymore. Yeah. As long as you're doing your daily walk. Yeah. You can still eat yeah. stuff and you'll be fine. Yes. The whole dieting part is just to get to the weight you want. Yeah. Right. And then it's like, don't go overboard, but like, feel free to enjoy your meals. You need to have like a lifestyle because diets are not permanent. Diets You're are gonna, not permanent. The problem with diets is you, like, they're called like yo yo diets. Like, you stay on it. Yeah. But then you feel bad. You're missing out on all these foods occasions yeah. with your friends going out and then you bounce the other way hard. So you just have to find, like I said, like a happy medium. Yeah. So for me, then after that, I was like, okay, I'm not. Not only am I going to lose weight this time, I'm going to build muscle. Yeah. So that's like where I'm at. I'm at right now. So I was this actually, is where you are now. Yes. Okay. So, so now, I, like, I lost a lot of weight. I'm, I I bulked last September. I started bulking. I got to a hundred and hundred and six kilos. Okay. But it was both fat and muscle. Yeah. Um, I was very strong. Um, compared relative to me, not to yeah. anybody else. Yeah, yeah. Just to me, I was like, I it was the strongest I've ever been. Um, but then I was content. Yeah. Now I'm just cutting. Now I'm just losing weight and I'm doing it happily. Like I'm, I'm eating, uh, 2,800 calories yeah. every day, but I'm still in a deficit. You're still in a deficit. I'm still in a deficit. That's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Or 2,700, sorry. Yeah. 2,700. I'm still in a deficit because my body itself burns what? 2,100 mm. on its own, um, doing nothing. Um, so walking and like activities, lifting, playing sports. Yeah. And then, yeah. So like, uh, I eat like, yeah, 2,700 calories and I'm, yeah. usually I, I even eat less. Yeah. But my trainer's like, no, eat, you have to, do, do you know, for me, the best thing about keto, mm-hmm. okay. It's the first time I go on keto. Mm-hmm. I had no idea until I went on keto. I'm using the app to track my food and my carbs. I'm allowed 29 grams of carbs a day. That's nothing. Which is nothing, yeah. right? It's piece of bread is more than that, mm-hmm. right? So, but this taught me a lot about food. Like I didn't know that there's so many carbs in fruits and in this and yeah. in that, yeah. you know, and then, you, then you, so I learned everything about everything, you know, because I, I don't want to have boring meals mm-hmm. and I prep my food myself. I don't like going out, mm-hmm. um, especially when I'm dieting, mm. I like to know where my food comes from. Do you from. ever get bored of the food you prep because you eat a lot of no, it? No, because I, I'm i actually a good cook. Okay. So, so, then, so I, I pretend not to be. So if I'm in a relationship, I'll say I don't know how to cook. That's actually good. You set low expectations. Yeah, when you set low cook, expectations. You you cook, oh, <laughs> where did that come from? He's humble. <laughs> no, honestly, I, I now prefer my food to many restaurant foods. Good. Right? Um, so I, it's definitely not boring. Okay. Right? Do you prepare all at once? Sorry, I keep interrupting, but I'm interested yeah. to, to know your process. Do you cook like all, like when you say meal prep, so you make like a week's worth? No, 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 no. Okay. Because I want it fresh, okay, right? But I will, um, for example, if it's a chicken, I will marinate a large amount mm. so I can cook them on the fly when mm. needed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or if it's a steak, you you obviously make a steak immediately, yeah. right? So yeah. all my food is made in like within ten minutes, okay. right? But it tastes amazing. Great. And now I know. Now I'm off keto, but I'm still eating in a keto way just because I love that food. Mm. But I've cut out like things like sausages and like, you know, the unhealthy stuff, <laughs> which on keto they encourage. Mm-hmm. Here yeah. I'm like, so now I'm like, same sort of meals, but without the real, like not too much cheese, not the bacon with yeah. the eggs, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. And yeah, it's like, I feel like this is why I'm losing more weight now off keto. Good. Than I was on keto. Yeah. Because I'm actually eating, I, I can tell you, I'm probably still on 50 grams of carbs a day. Mm. But calorie wise, this app was trying to keep me below 1900 mm. because of my target. Yeah. And I don't think I'm eating more, probably eating less than I was on keto. Mm. There's also like, there's a lot of biology coming into um, hunger suppressants as well when it comes to some foods. If you, if you eat like a lot of fiber, yeah. it makes you less hungry. Yeah, that's I, true. So, so for me, like as a, I have like a fluctuation um, kind of relationship with food in the sense that sometimes I get, I eat a lot, but I still get a lot, uh, very hungry. Mm. Sometimes I eat a few meals. Um, and I'm and you're full. Yeah. Usually nowadays I eat two meals, which is not good because if I'm trying to eat 2,700 calories, it's better to have like more and space them out than rather than have two meals and they just keep snacking, snacking, snacking. You're trying to eat more to bulk, right? Right now I'm cutting. You're cutting. I'm cutting. Okay. But so two meals. So two meals isn't bad. Yeah, two meals isn't bad, but they have to be big, bigger meals. Just because I'm still a bigger person. Yeah. Cut, cutting too much, having a big deficit, is not good because then I will lose muscle. I'm trying to retain all the yeah. thing. I, I, so <laughs> I retain the muscle. I the, the science that's, is crazy, right? That's the whole point. Right? That's why. That's why my meal. That's why I have a target protein to hit first before caring about fat. Yeah. The way I'm doing it is have the shake. Yeah, I have a protein shake or two. I have like two scoops. I have milk. Um, I'm trying to hit like 180 grams of protein mm. and then halas, anything else I can do whatever I want. Yeah. Who, who cares? Yeah. I'm going to eat a burger. But to, like you said, for me, some of that like stayed with me when it comes to healthy lifestyle choices. Yeah. In the sense that when I go to Talabat, yeah. there's gems for Burger King. It's, I, I just don't, I'm not even enticed. Like I'm not, I'm not even enticed to hit I this. I get grossed out. Yeah. I'm not even. <laughs> I get, uh, not only am I enticed, I get grossed out. You know when I see this fast food, I'm like, just the thought of like oily KFC chicken just like grosses me oh, out at this stage I, I in my life. Yeah, you know, I used to love it. Yeah, me but, too. But you know when when you get into that lifestyle, yeah. as you said, you know, I'm just like, yeah, not for me. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. And and what I try to do is when I when I cheat, yeah, quote unquote cheat. I'm too scared to cheat. Yeah, I'm too. Yeah, but when I when I when I, when I cheat, yeah. what I do is I try to find something between like fast foody, yeah. but also like healthy. Yeah. So what I mean is, like sometimes I would have wings. Yes. Like wingman. Yeah. I, I know some people would consider fast food. Maybe I think the sauce is too much sometimes, and I agree. Yeah. But it's a beast alternative, which is KFC. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times I would just eat healthy calories. Yeah, I like healthy calorie. Well, you know, you know. To be honest, like for me, my cheat meal—it's not cheat meal, by the way. <laughs> I love burgers, right? But I like my burgers. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, I'm not having bread because of the low carb yeah. stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But I get because I mean, you know I I know how to make like fresh patties and stuff yeah, at yeah. home, so I, I get the minced beef, high you know quality meat, make the patty. Make everything else that would be on a burger. So my Gouda cheese melted on it, mm. you know, the caramelized onions mm. and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I eat it like a steak and it just, it tastes amazing. Yeah, yeah. Just without the bread. Just without the bread. Because I prefer to have it without the bread than have this rubbish lettuce stuff that they yeah, do. It's like yeah. the lettuce ruins the taste of the like meat. Lettuce. You know, I don't like lettuce. lettuce is just water, watery. Yeah, exactly. If I'm, you want, if you want like some, something like that, just eat spinach. Spinach is like thick. 
it has actually good nutritional value yeah. when it comes to fiber, especially it's nothing. No, but they say lettuce because they want to make it feel like a burger, like a burger. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it just makes the burger horrible. I yeah, didn't ever understood it. You so know, just have like, the meat by itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> now you give me a high expectation to your cooking. So if I ever do come to your place, uh, don't, don't worry, I'll, 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 make, I'll make, we'll make you a meal. I'll let people know. Let's <laughs> yeah. see how, how long. Okay. How long has it been? An hour, 19. Oh, wow. We can go with 10 more minutes. <laughs> I Usually tar the target is an hour and a half, but I always go over do to you, try and be better at it. Do you then cut down? No. Okay. Like with Omer, we had three hours. Oh, wow. And I had it's a Joe Rogan experience. I did two, I did two parts. <laughs> so part one, part okay. two. Um, like, let's talk about your podcast for a yeah, second. Go ahead, okay. go ahead. So speaking of Joe Rogan just now, because looking at the time, you know, like those three hours. Have you ever watched a full Joe Rogan episode? Once, maybe. Once, right? Once or twice. But you probably watch a lot of the clips. I used not. to. When, when it was on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I used to. The clips, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because it's topic by topic. Yeah, yeah. So, so now, first of all, like, you know, what made you want to do the podcast? Yeah, so the podcast for me is mostly like a journal. Okay. Um. I'm I'm looking for a place. That's why I, I don't get bothered if it's too long and mm -hmm. I never cut it down. Because to me, what I'm trying to do is, and I explained this in the first episode, I'm trying to have an archive of, of who I am yeah. as a person. Someplace, because we have a power that's unprecedented in the sense that um, I cannot go back a thousand years and see what my ancestor was yeah. thinking. Yeah. Uh, maybe unless through letters or whatever, yeah. but visually, audibly, none. But now we have the power where you can go hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years forward and your grand, 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 grandchild can look back yeah. and be like, this is what I think. Or, or oh, how my grandfather, great grandfather thought or lessons learned yeah. or, or just as a history lesson. Imagine, because yeah. we, we know of history through books yeah. and through, through archaeology, people uncovering things, right? Yeah. But in the next phase of civilization, they might look at this podcast among other and be like, this is how... Look how simple people used to be. <laughs> freaking idiots. Yeah. They didn't cure cancer? What the hell? They, what are they talking into? <laughs> yeah. So, so for me, the, the podcast is mostly just having an archive yeah. for my thoughts and um, I was going to say something else. Uh, the, the whole idea of... of because people, even to this day, they would have diaries and journals. Yeah. And maybe that's the way they are comfortable releasing their yeah. ideas, right? To me, I can never do that. I can even just like recording an episode on my own. Yeah. Just looking at the camera. Um, you, some people have can you do ever it. done that? No, not really. Do you feel weird doing that? Yes. I'm very camera shy. You're camera shy? I'm very camera shy. Is that why you keep the camera on the side? Uh, <laughs> no, actually, I'm keeping the camera as a way to battle my, my shyness. Okay. Because I have to still sit through it and edit it and I have to get comfortable with my own voice because everybody has their own voice. And you know, when you first hear your own voice, um, I remember I used to work in a call center and, you know, they, they play you your recording sometimes. Mm. And I'm like, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I would cringe. Yeah. And I'm like, is that what I sound like to, to other, other people? people? Yeah. I was like... I was like, that's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never going to speak again. Yeah. Right? There, there was a trick in school where we used to do. You take two files and you put them in front of your ears. Yeah. And that's how you, and it blocks your own uh, voice to yourself. Okay. So you can hear through, you can hear basically how other people hear it. And I used to do that. I'm like, oh man, I, I hate my voice. But now I'm very comfortable. I got comfortable with it. I, I got comfortable as well. Yeah. I don't know how, yeah. right? But I used to hate my voice. Yeah. I never like to listen to anything where I'm recorded. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But yeah, the whole camera shy thing, yeah. I think um, most people are yeah. initially, yeah. right? Do you do video stories? Can you give me an example? Like On your Instagram, like do you do video stories? No. Okay, this is the best way to battle your camera shyness. But what do I say? <laughs> Whatever's on your mind. There, there were times where I did it. Like very few occasions where I felt we very- should, Okay, you know what? We have to do one now. During okay. the podcast. During the podcast? During the podcast. What's up, guys? So we're just in the middle of this podcast. We'll catch out, uh, check out this episode or whatever you want to say. Right now? Okay. Right now. Let's do it. Let's do right it. Right now. I'll do it on picking a brain. It's not my personal. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. So small, baby steps. All right, let's go. To my You're doing on picking brains or the personal? Picking. Picking. Why is it's, that? It's, it's got the lower. It's, good. it's, it's got lower. lower. <laughs> baby steps. That maybe I'll move on. All right. That's, I'll that's record it. you first. All right. And then I'll flip it. Are you, let me know whenever you're okay. recording. Okay. I, I started. Okay, three, two, one. Hey, guys. So we're actually live in the middle of a podcast right now with Jabber, and we're trying to defeat his camera shyness by letting him do his first video story. Say what's up. What's up, everybody? Um, I've been coerced to do this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, what, I think this is episode six, I think. So this is episode six of Picking Brains. Can't wait for you, for you guys to hear this, listen to this, and uh, Sam has been an amazing guest. What's up? That's perfect. Great, great. Just yeah. do one of those every day or every other day. Yeah, I should. I mean, look, you're going to feel like a douche in the beginning. All right? yeah, 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 yeah. I still, I still feel like a douche, to be honest, when, like, for example, when I'm out in public, mm-hmm. right? I'm like... You know, when I see people like, hey, you know, like check out this food or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like putting all this effort in, you know. Yeah. And when I'm doing it, I, I, I still feel, even though like, we do these stories and videos, I still feel weird doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It so, is. It but, is weird. But you'll get used to it. And, yeah. you know, I think like, okay, so I was in Dubai mm-hmm. okay, the last, last weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting down at my table, okay, and just having my lunch, right? This girl walks in with an abaya and everything. I'm assuming she was Saudi. Okay. okay. Did she have a headscarf? I'm not sure. Okay. Maybe maybe she didn't have a headscarf, but you know, she had the abaya clothing. Yeah, yeah. And so this is by the pool, right? So we're in a public space here. Now she's obviously doing, you know, some selfies, whatever for us. So normal. We see this all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my table happens to be next to the pool. She literally comes on sits on my table right just to get the right angle of her oh my okay gosh. with the swimming pool in the background oh. and doesn't feel weird at all <laughs> there is a limit to this there has to be a limit to this like you know you have to be courteous to other people right um yeah. funny like, so speaking of thick skin yeah. you know i'm not, not feeling weird She's become a pro now. I was like, it's, I was like, so, and then she's doing on the table in front of me, and there was like some like English woman sitting on that table working on her laptop, mm-hmm. right? And she's looking at me. I'm looking at her. We're both like have this smile, like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> it's like we both know what's going on. But, uh, man. No, but you're, you're gonna get over this, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's it's fine. This is how you communicate with your friends. Yeah. To me, to me, once I do something. I, even if I'm shy, I just, you know, yeah. give it a hundred. Like even I'm, I'm remembering when I was in school, I used to play the recorder. I have one actually here. Yeah. 
I used to play the recorder and they took me, my music teacher took me to a music competition in St. Christopher's actually here next to Nakhil. Yeah. Same one. There was a young music talent show or competition. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's playing the guitar. They're playing like string stuff. Um, rarely do they play like the saxophone or whatever. Yeah. And I'm very, very, very nervous. Yeah. I'm very, very nervous. There's all these white kids, like blonde. <laughs> I've never seen like a lot of white kids in one place as an adult growing up yeah, here. Yeah. I run people, people look at me as a very white boy. I know. Okay. <laughs> um, but at the time, it's very like, I feel like, to be honest with you, I felt like inferior mm. to them, to be, to be fair. Cause so like, you actually felt that? Yeah. But how old were you at the time? Uh, this was sixth grade. Sixth so grade. Maybe 11, 12. Do you still feel that? No. Do you feel the opposite? No. You feel equal? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but uh, to me, it's an, uh, just to answer your question, to clarify, I feel, because before I felt that as a group, like me versus a group of mm. people. You're an outsider in you're that an situation. Outsider. But now the way I compare is individually. Mm. You know, you know if yeah. I've met a lot of white people who I love. I've met a yeah. lot of white people who I hate. And, yeah. and that goes, that's true for every everybody. But anyway, so, I went there and they call my name and they butcher my name, obviously, um, because my name, the way it's spelled is very weird. So I go, I go there and I have the recorder. I'm so nervous, but I commit. Yeah. And I'm like, Ooh, it's like, because yeah. it's like, cause it's like a, uh, an air instrument, yeah. right? Yeah. So you can hear the nervousness and the, the, the shakiness <laughs> in my, and then I ended up getting third place. Nice. I don't know nice. how that happened. So, so well, that told me like, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, who you're against? Or yeah. Once you once you're in it, you just do it. And so that's that's how I am now. Once yeah, uh, and you're very talented, by the way, with the recorder. My biggest talent was the triangle. Just thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I still remember. I still remember the piece I played. Yeah. Doing that. It was such a uh, special moment in my life. Yeah. But uh, I was gonna say when you were talking about Joe Rogan, real quick, I want yeah. I want to know what your thought process was when you talk about the snippets. Yeah. Where were you going with that? Oh uh, yeah. So I'm saying like, mm-hmm. okay, as you know, like people have a short attention Just span, time. right? Mm-hmm. And I feel that's one thing, but at the same time, it's like, you know, when you're watching like American podcasts, Mm -hmm. right. um, In general, they can talk about anything. Yeah. They can swear, they can smoke weed on the podcast and Mm -hmm. like say things that, first of all, I feel like here we might feel a bit filtered on conversations. A bit. bit. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm not that guy, right? Like I don't mind being open. Me too. But With Omer on the show who joined as the co-host and he's very proper, you know, he's like saying, don't swear, don't do this, you know, like, so. Great guy, by the way. Great guy, great guy. Like, he's been my best friend for like 12 years since I've come, almost since I've come to Bahrain. Um, So, as you notice, now I don't even swear, right? I've become very filtered. Yeah. But I'm not talking about just swearing, obviously. I'm talking about topics. Mm. They can touch on any topic they want. We have to stay away from certain topics. Yeah. Right? I noticed that when you, you have to moderate a lot when yeah. people go off topic, yeah. some, some of the audience will not get it and, or maybe things that it's not good to talk about. Exactly. Yeah. I'm saying like things that technically are not good to talk yeah, about yeah. over there. It's normal to talk about yeah. it and it's accept- and actually it's entertaining, mm. right? That's what makes it sometimes more entertaining the podcast here. It's like, we're kind of talking about real stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, about, know, right? So, so now, so now, but like coming back to like Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't 
think I've ever watched a full, full episode because they're three hours long. Yeah. Right. So unless I'm driving or I'm just putting it on the background while I'm trying to fall asleep, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so yeah. I don't know how much my brain caught yeah. of that. Um, but the snippets, uh, I watch all the time, mm. right? Because obviously you can see from the title what, what, they, what, that, what about, they're talking yeah. about. It's 10 minutes. Mm. Everyone's got 10 minutes, right? So I'm saying like, for example, we tried going the other way. Let's try to shorten down the podcast mm-hmm. to 30 minutes, but I feel like that's too short. Yeah. yeah. By the time you're warming up, like it's been like 40 minutes already. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Interesting because last guest I had, his name is Sergio. He runs a podcast called Paradigm Shift. Okay. And they're actually short episodes. Um, I think uh, if, uh, I think they're 15 to 20 minutes long. Yeah. And what he does is it's more of, it's him alone. Yeah. And what he does is he researches very um, uh, complex topics and yeah. try to make them simple. Yes. And that's what he does. In a that works. Yeah. If you're doing it alone, yeah, it yeah. works yeah. because you have a topic. Yeah. You've probably even pre-planned that yeah, topic. Researchers and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know what you're going to talk about yeah. and you're going to deliver it very nicely yes. without any, uh, uh, yeah, and yeah. you're not thinking on the spot yeah. in 10 minutes. Wow. That's fantastic. But with this with format? With a guest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with someone, right? Because you, is not enough. you're trying to get to know the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the time you haven't even, probably don't even know the person yeah, sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Trying to get to know them, about them, and then get into conversation. Yeah. How are you going to do that in 30 minutes, right? Yeah. So like you said, it's better to go long and cut it shorter or put the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But this is like the one thing we've been thinking, we're thinking about, like, do you create a separate channel or the same channel mm. for the clips? Because if you notice, like with most podcasts, they have a separate channel yeah. called like Joe Rogan clips, impulsive yeah. clips, yeah. whatever clips, yeah. right? And there's where your 10 minute videos are. Mm. Interesting, because I have that kind of idea as well. And guess why I'm doing snippets like TikTok. Yeah. I'm using that as my snippets. Yeah, like TikTok clip. is super short. Super yeah. That's like, let's say 10 minutes is good though for like 10 minutes is great for a particular topic. I was, t- I was saying Sergio and uh, Hussein was talking before the podcast, we were having a good conversation and he said we should start recording because a lot of these com- good conversations happen either before and after. And this is the case with my last guest, even though it was an amazing conversation during, yeah. but we had a conversation after I said, I think I said this, I don't remember, but uh, what I said was the problem with, okay, I don't, I don't think I said this particular part, but now I'm going to say it to you, the problem with. Um, podcasts here versus America. And America is a big country. Mm. People have long com- commutes, yeah. either to work or just that to see. True. So when so it's easy for them to have like a two hour um, drive and listen to a podcast yeah. an entire episode while driving, multitasking. Um, here it's not the case. But it's such a it's a small country, yeah. right? And so you don't have two hours to drive nowhere. You're making time for it here. Yeah. So you have to make time for it here. Yeah. And people usually wouldn't make time. And I, I this is what I told Sergio. I told Sergio what what I appreciate because. I want. I was thinking of, and I think you'd appreciate this. I was thinking of making a, a video. It's a super cut. Yeah. So it's how I I shoot an episode yeah. and how, what goes behind the scenes. Yeah. So me preparing the camera, preparing the mics, yeah. doing the audio yeah. adjustment, um, introducing the guests, whatever. So we actually actual recording, and then taking out the SD cards, going processing, editing, syncing. yeah, syncing all that stuff, <laughs> yeah. like making the thumbnail, making the 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 art, yeah. making all that stuff, um, uploading it to the RSS feed, sharing it, you know, like all these make make it make a super cut. And then have the episode released on like an Instagram feed, from, yeah. you know, and have somebody just scroll through it and, and just not notice it and just like scroll. And then, and then he sees like a girl po- posting like a, like a selfie like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like, oh, people don't understand. <laughs> and and uh, uh, another one I think was what, what I told him was I said, I really much, 
I appreciate the person who doesn't just look at my page and like and then scroll. Yeah. I'd appreciate more if you look at the content, listen, even if you don't like. I'd yeah. appreciate you more for listening because that's the yeah. whole point. I want yeah. people to be able to relate to these podcasts. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a goal with my podcast as in uh, there's no certain topic I'm talking about. Every guest is different. Yeah. First guy I had was a rapper. Okay. I had him rap on here. Yeah. And nice. I had him write lyrics. Yeah. You know? Uh, second guest uh, was uh, my my friend from school, and we talked about school in Bahrain. Yeah. Third was uh, my friend who who started a, a creative agency and his and his road to that yeah. entrepreneurship. Last guest we talked about religion and and, and just religion, really theology yeah. in general. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's every every episode is different. So what we might not like from one episode, you might find another episode. And exactly. that's, how, that's how Joe Rogan does it, right? Exactly, because – but how do you pick your guests? Oh, uh, man. If you, uh, number one is you need to know how to speak English well. Okay. Because I have a lot of friends who want to get on, but their English is not that good. And uh, – why, why, and, and why English if you speak Arabic well? Thank you for that question. Uh, it's a good question. It's because I have people – my – my vocabulary in English is stronger than Arabic. Okay. I speak Arabic fine. Yeah. Um, um, it's my mother tongue. Yes. But uh, that's number one. I think my uh, my vo- vocabulary is, is stronger and it's an easier language. Um, so I understand grammar better <laughs> in English. Um, yeah. Third is because I have I want to have a global audience. Okay. Uh, but, but what if it was mixed, like depending on the guest? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's something I didn't really think about. I, I think uh, the the problem with Arabic, and I, I also spoke with the first guy on this episode yeah. about this, is I don't want to attract a certain type of Arabs watching okay. this podcast because you have those like, why is he talking in uh, English? Is he not proud of being uh, Arab? Uh, yeah. Did you, have you gotten those yet? Not yet. Uh, they'll come. So they'll, they'll come. come. They'll and, come. And, I get those all the time. And, and, and <laughs> when I, if I do have have a podcast in Arabic, and then yeah. what I'm doing is is I know I'm gonna attract a few listeners that I will they will appreciate what I do. But there's gonna be a lot of those who will check out other episodes. Like, why is he speaking in English? Or, okay. You know, all these comments yeah. I don't want to deal with. I'm just trying to avoid stay them. consistent. So I'm just for the sake of consistency, avoiding a certain demographic that yeah. I don't want to attract. Yeah. Um, and and that's pretty much it. Okay. Do you think in English uh, or Arabic? That's I should. That's probably the <laughs> one of the most frequently asked questions I get because okay. in America, this, they always ask me that. Yeah, because like your, your English is so good, which I always appreciate when somebody says that because I worked hard for it. Uh, you know, so what language do you speak in? At first, what I said was that's a very weird question. I don't think in the language. I think in thoughts. But the thought is in the language. So, so that, when you're talking to yourself in your head, yeah, yeah. So, so first I was like, you know, I don't think in a language. I think in thoughts, and then I translate that thought depending on who I speak to. But then, when, when I really sat and pondered about it, yeah, I think in a language that I'm engaged in. Currently. Okay. So right now, I think in English. If I'm speaking to someone in Arabic, I think in Arabic. I I have a flip. If you're 
doing your walk outside, listening to your music. Yeah. No one's distracting you. Other than you're going to say the, the, the music's in English, so you think it is. I was going to say, everything is influencing me. Right? So if, I, if, I, I, if I'm having road rage, yeah. there's no music playing, I'll cuss in Arabic. Okay. If I have a song playing, I'll probably cuss in English. Okay. Everything. Like, so it subtle, changes. It changes. It changes. And your dreams? Um... Uh, I don't dream a lot, but I, I would th- say it's a mix as well. <laughs> I have, I've always had a t- tug of war going yeah. up, growing up because I'm also Persian. Yeah, um, my mom is Persian, my dad's half Persian. Okay, so his mom is Persian. Did um, you speak Persian as well? I understand it. Okay, I understand it fully, but I mean, I would say eighty percent. I don't speak it because I, I forget words. But yeah. when somebody speaks, it, I can fully understand most okay. of the time. Um, so there's a constant tug of war happening in yeah. my uh, adolescent years, where yeah. If I go to my grandmother's house, my mom's side, we're all speaking in Persian. Yeah. If I go to my, you know, if, if I stay at home with my dad, et cetera, he's speaking Arabic. Um, if I go to school, they speak in English. And so I was like, I'm being pulled from. What language do you speak at home? Uh, mostly Arabic. With siblings. Arabic. Yeah. Arabic, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Parents and siblings, Arabic. Arabic yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, for me, um, there was a time where, obviously for me, I always think in English. Mm-hmm. But there was a time that I would think in Persian as well. Mm. So uh, you speak it fully? Like Ajmi, you know, okay, not yeah. not like Iranian, yeah, not Farsi. Of course. I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't know Iranian. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean for, for people who don't understand, you know, yeah, because yeah. this is a very confused subject. Yes. So in Bahrain, everyone will get it. Yeah, yeah. Right? You, you don't even say you're Persian, you say you're Ajam, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? And I mean, look, I might not be the best at Arabic because my Arabic kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't actually do anything in Arabic content wise, mm-hmm. right? I learned whatever I speak now when I came here. Mm-hmm. When I came here, when I came, I didn't have zero. I understood a little bit, but I couldn't speak at all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like growing up um, in London, Australia, and you know, like Persians are normally very proud. You know, we are Persian, you know, like, so like I had my father be like, we're Persians, yeah. you know, and all of this yeah. stuff, right? So, you know, I'm like, yeah, we're Persian, you know, and then like you meet Iranians. So I was, I was always like I'm Persian. So even if I had like Iranian friends or in Australia or London, but you know, we grew up there. So we're speaking to each other in English anyway. Yeah. So it was never tested. Right. Until one day, you know, this, I'm speaking to this guy and he's Iranian and I'm like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. 80% of what he's saying. Like I, I can get a gist of what he's saying and he kind of doesn't understand anything I'm saying. Yeah. And I was like, damn, I can't say I'm Persian to Persians, mm-hmm. only to non-Persians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I explained I explain this in, to my friends. So you're from Iran? You speak Iranian? No. Like, uh, no. Like my, my ancestors probably yeah. are from Persia. Yeah. And you know what the worst part is? So my best friend, like I spent a few years in Kuwait, right? Okay. Uh, high school days. And my best friend was an Indian guy. And his dad, you know, like, where are you from? I'm Persian. And his dad could speak Farsi much better than me because mm. he spoke Iranian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he'd always talk to me and I'd be like, they didn't know how to respond to that. I was like, it's quite embarrassing here, you know? It's, I, I would say it's like, it's a different dialect. I would say, you know, I would still say you're Persian because, you know, uh, with Arabic, Bahraini Arabic or Khaliji yeah. um, is very different than Egyptian. Yes. Very, very different to the yeah. point where sometimes we don't understand each other. Yeah. I understand Egyptians because I've spoken with a lot of them and yeah. at work as well I have. Yeah. So I, I understand. Sometimes they don't understand me. Yeah. So I think it's the same thing with Iranian and Persian. And when I say Ajmi, by the way, Ajmi in Arabic, um, it Does, means... Doesn't Ajmi mean foreigner? 
It just means non-Arab. Non-Arab. Yeah. Okay. Ajmi means like non-Arabic. So when well, it's Ajmi, it's just so like... Isn't a, that a, like almost a derogative term? Like, 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 Quranically speaking, when the word ajam comes up, isn't that like saying in a in a bad way? No, I think, in a negative I think, doesn't have a negative connotation. I think it's like saying, um, what was the term for uh, in the Bible for non-Jewish people? I don't know. Gentiles. Okay. It's like saying Gentiles. Okay. Which isn't really um, derogatory, but it's like kind of negative, right? It's not. Maybe. I, I, the way people use it, I, I never felt like it was negative, especially okay. as someone... No, I mean, we in Bahrain use it, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, And like an Ajam will say, I'm an Ajam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, I, about me, think, like they're thinking about the origin of the word and like, you know, where it came from. You know, and I was like... Maybe. Perhaps. <laughs> I don't know, actually. <laughs> We've embraced it. Yeah, But yeah, I'm yeah. saying... Isn't that like, you know, for example, African-Americans use their own word, mm, right? But yeah, they can yeah. use it. Yeah. They can use it. No one else can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But like, no, yeah. So I'm saying the whole Persian-Iranian thing really screwed with me, um, especially because I've always like wanted to learn it properly. Mm -hmm. If you travel anywhere in the world, in the Western world, right? The Iranian, per or the Persians, they always live in the most affluent places. Yeah. Right? And they're yeah. a close-knit community. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So you'll, you'll immediately have friends if you could communicate with them on yeah. their level. Right? And I found myself, it's like, so I'd be like, you know, like, like obviously the hi, how are you? Salam, chatori, you know? And then I'll switch to English. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm that one of those wannabe. I'm a wannabe Australian, okay? I don't, I'm not <laughs> trying to make it sound intentional. <laughs> good, good. No, that's interesting. I, I never met like other Arabs in the US. Never. Okay, I don't think you, I, met, you, I met an Egyptian. You worked in a yeah. city, right? I was, and I was in a very white college. Yeah, yeah, and it sounds to me like you're in kind of some countryside type. I've never kind of. been where kind you've of. been. It's not really country. It's uh, but it's not a cosmopolitan. Yes, it's very it's suburban. But even when I went to Pittsburgh, so it's yeah. very city. I didn't meet a lot of Arabs. Yeah, yeah. But but if you go to LA, yeah, no. If I go to San Francisco or something like that, most diverse place. Man, Los Angeles has, or California, should I say, has like around two and a half million Iranians there. Right, oh, wow. in California, and actually, it's when I, we have in our population, bro, it's crazy. You know, when I went there, um, when I was like sixteen or something like that. So there's two and a half million Iranians in California. Mm -hmm. They're they're so big that I don't know if you remember the Yellow Pages, Yellow before pages? It went extinct, the phone book. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember. How old are you? I'm 24. Okay, so, this is, so, so you're way younger. So this is like, yeah, yeah. So you had the Patelco Zane book or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, like the Yellow Pages was a thing, yeah. right? So growing up for us yeah. you know, in our generation, you have this big book of yeah. business directories, right? Yeah. But there's so many readings that there's a Persian yellow pages as well and it's half the thickness. Oh my. And every business listed in there is Iranian owned. Oh my. Like how crazy That's is that? A That's a lot of ratings. I didn't know that. Yeah, and they have their own TV channels, they have their own everything, oh, right? I know there's a lot of um, Asian and, people. Uh, there's, a lot of, well, there's a lot of Asian people everywhere, right? Yeah. But like for them, it's like, I mean, they're very wealthy, you know, like, but they're yeah, very- Mercedes, BMWs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but they're very integrated, right? Yeah. So if a non-Iranian 
ask them where you're from. I am American. You know, like, like, like even, 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 if, even if like, you know, obviously the, the new generation, they don't speak with an accent, right? Yeah. But their parents, you know, they still have that accent. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how many years they're living there, right? So they have that very thick Iranian accent, you yeah. know? So like, and, and you know, when, when um, I remember like I was with my father and like, you know, he was asking some dude who's speaking to his girlfriend or wife, you okay. know, in Persian. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, you know, is there an Iranian restaurant around here or whatever? Mm-hmm. He's like, you speak English, English better. Mm. I may not speak Farsi. <laughs> I am American. <laughs> um, I was thinking, you know, when you said, so the children don't, ha- don't have an accent when they speak English. The children, but, because but who grew up there. They yeah. grew up there, right? I feel like it's opposite what happens. So what happens is their English is good, but then their Persian may, may be a little bit um, weaker than perhaps, their parents. Perhaps, perhaps. There's, there's a lot of, I, there's a lot of, People I know of, I've never met. There's a lot of yeah. Arabs who are in America. They don't speak Arabic well, but their parents do, and yeah. their parents don't speak English well. Yeah. So that it's interesting seeing that. I mean, I mean, funnily enough, let's not go too far away. Like, yeah. if I'm looking at Bahrain, right, and you know the people our age, yeah. as in my generation, mm-hmm. right, um, which is past just past your generation, mm-hmm. when when they have kids, their kids are all going to English schools now, mm. right. People not really going to government schools as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I notice that the parents are speaking to their kids in English. Yeah. And you'll see that all the time. Yeah. So then what is, what is, what is their Arabic going to be like? That's And that's something I'm trying to tackle with my younger brother. I have an eight-year-old brother. Yeah. And his English is really good. His Arabic is a little bit struggling. Um, actually, his they're, they're both kind of equal. Mm. I wouldn't say his English is really good. His yeah. English goes, Arabic is good. Yeah. But like... We're trying our best to teach them both. Yeah. Because I notice this with a lot of other families, they exclusively talk to their kids in English. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to me, I don't have that kind of um, I like patriotism to to cling on uh, Arabic or English. But it's a skill set. I was, I was the way I think of it is, kids are a sponge. Yes. You have the opportunity to teach them numerous languages yes. that will help them in their future life before the, seven yeah it's like before seven right so so you know they can like learn i heard like a stat saying five languages fluently yeah before they hit like the age of 10 yeah so just like take advantage of that don't don't just hone in in one language because you the way they think that it might be like if we teach them english really good they'd be really good in english that's false they'll be really good at any language you teach yeah. them and english is the easiest one english from the lot English is so easy, man. People can pick up. I've seen people come from Vietnam to London, couldn't speak a word of English. They were doing A-levels with me. Yeah. So in the beginning, they were like, they're taking notes in Vietnamese mm-hmm. as, as like the teacher speaking. And they all ended up with three A speaking English fluently yeah. within two years. Yeah. English right? is not hard. English <laughs> is not hard. Arabic, on the other Arabic hand, is horrible. Is so bad. I've been here 12 years. I can understand yeah. 90%. Five percent of what people say, mm. I can reply around thirty yeah. percent. I can get by. Yeah, I don't understand why my brain is not just fully even, adapting and like. Even if you do, man, once you get into like Arabic, Arabic, like the grammar of Arabic, I don't want it that. I just want to be able to speak comfortably. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not try, interested I'm, in the classical. Yeah, I'm trying to. Comp- like, when I'm saying English is easy, I'm saying even the grammar is easy. The yeah. way it works, even though there's like a dumb, there's a lot of dumb exceptions that I don't understand. Yeah, but it's easy. To, like when you compare it to Arabic, like Arabic grammar, it's just so complex. Yes. I just don't. I don't have any. Any language, I think, that has a male female. 
yeah, version is, feminine, it, it, yeah. it makes it a lot more complicated yeah. spanish like as french as well french, yeah. yeah and i remember like you know in french classes like growing up you know we have to do as a second language I I remember. Like, the table le, ta- le table le table whatever I was, like, I was like where's the logic that my brain can comprehend whether a table is female or male yeah like it's so obvious i'm like Obvious yeah. how. Even <laughs> Arabic, because usually in Arabic we say, okay, if it ends with eh, like tamarbuta, so like tawila, yeah. or like that, it's it's female, right? But then yeah. you have the sh- the sun, shems, doesn't have that as female, yeah. feminine, or, or moon. It's like, you know? And there's no logic. Or hand. Yeah. Yeah. Is- Let me see. Okay, we're, we're getting close to, we get, we got to close it up in like in a, in a minute. Okay, okay, no worries. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, language is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, my obviously like for my brother and sister a good example of this so me and my elder sister we speak english to each other mm-hmm. but we speak ajmi with our parents okay so we can speak both mm-hmm. right my brother and sister being that generation that i'm talking about right the younger generation mm-hmm. so my parents started speaking english to them oh they, they don't know how to speak ajmi. interesting which now that my brother for example moved to bahrain Obviously, he'll be lost in conversation when it comes to that. So you're losing that kind of touch, you know? So, I'm, I'm trying to learn a language now. I'm trying to learn Spanish. Spanish? Yeah. I've, I'd love to learn Spanish. I have a great program for you. Really? Not, you, not Duolingo, all yeah. that bull crap. I have something that actually works. By the way, you know, like when you're talking about the whole sponge thing? So yeah. born in Bahrain, right? Yeah. Moved to Spain at the age of two. Okay. So obviously, at four... Spanish was my first language after Ajmi. Wow. Right? So uh, literally within a year, speaking. So me and my sister used to speak Spanish to each other. Okay. Right? Because outside, and you know, outside Spanish at home, Ajmi. Mm. Then went to Australia, picked up English in a year, forgot the Spanish. Yeah. You have to practice it. Yeah. If you don't practice something, it's gone. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I think that's a good place to end it. I think so. Um, you can give yourself a shout out, which, whatever you have going on, just letting them any know anything you want well, well guys well like, you can just follow me at h husseini or hustle kitchen um, but i post my stuff on my own account um weird weird cool vlog guiders coming up Great. so stay in t- you know keep in touch for those all right thank you for coming it was an amazing episode i loved it it's it a pleasure and and you know it's great to just chat and yeah. not have some agenda uh, uh, yeah, on, on the podcast yeah 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 that's what that's what it's all about here yeah. All right. Thanks. Well, and by the way, I like the couch setup, which is that's why it makes you feel more comfortable yeah. while you're chatting. It's like you're, you know, you're having a conversation. Uh, it's just this is in the, in the way, but like that's it. You know? Yeah, but it feels so much more comfortable when you have the table, yeah. like I do. It feels like you're interviewing someone, yeah. or they feel like they're being, being an interviewed. Interview. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like that, I'm glad you love the setup. I like it. Um, I think I can upgrade a little bit, but for the most part, I'm comfortable with it. Yeah. But hey, sponsors, come on board. We're going to put your logo here, yeah, right here, right next to the the board. Yeah, right here. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening and until next time.